Hello, everyone. It's a weekly manga recap. It's heading in this direction. You just missed it. Go. Run quickly and you might be able to catch it. It's a, no, just kidding. We'll wait for you. It's all right. Oh, that's good. Now we're anyone feels like they're missing anything. No, I don't want anyone to, do, to feel like they miss anything. That's what the show's for, is to make you feel welcome and feel like you don't have to rush anywhere. And also to hear us talk about, you know, really stupid comics. So... Uh, I don't feel like... All right, now, I'll give a fair disclosure. Uh, I know I've read everything for this week. I recall almost nothing of it. Uh, But I don't feel like there was that much that was bad this week. I didn't say bad. I said stupid. Stupid, okay. (laughs) Very, very very strong difference there. That is a fair difference. A lot of my favorite things that we we read for this show are very stupid. Uh, There you go, Okay. Uh, yeah, then we might have a lot of stupid things to talk about. Um, I should also note on the the topic of stupid. I got new shoes. Hmm. Uh, I can't. Let's see. Can I get it up? They're Sonic Crocs. My goodness gracious! <laughs> that I, was totally worth it. <laughs> I was so excited when I saw there was a collaboration going on. I and I know. mentioned that I was going to get Sonic Crocs, uh, but then I was told that's a bad way to spend your money. You shouldn't do it. And I was like, fine, I'll be responsible. And then like two months later, I was walking through the mall and I passed by a Journeys and they had some Sonic Crocs still on display. And I was like, this is a fucking sign. I still want these goddamn Sonic Crocs. Give them to me. And that's how I ended up with Sonic Crocs. I feel very fast. I put them into sports mode. I feel like no one can catch me. Actually, my feet hurt a lot when I'm in these. Um, but I think that's how Sonic feels as well. There's a sports mode? Oh, Nick, haven't you ever... You're gonna sound so stupid right now. So this is a normal croc, of course. Right. Looking at it. Right. Sport mode. (laughs) Yeah, because now (laughs) I can, if I run, this is to catch the back of my foot, so then I can just go fast, like Sonic would. It's got little charms, it's got a little Sonic right there, and a ring, and a little emerald. I remember the. This was worth seven hundred dollars. I don't care what anyone says. (laughs) 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 Don't don't do that. Uh, I remember the one time I wore Crocs. Uh, It was literally uh, because uh, I was on a family vacation and we went rafting, and I was in peak. I don't want to do anything outdoors. Age, which I've never really grown out of. Uh, but I would be a little bit more up for it now than I was at the time. Uh, and we all got like a bunch of Crocs so that because, you know, like you have to have like footwear, but uh-huh. also like you don't want to ruin whatever shoe you're wearing. So, you know, things made of rubber and plastic, that'll do you just fine. And uh, wore them and was like, yep, never need to wear these again. <laughs> I, I really got to praise uh, whoever makes Crocs because uh, or the PR team for Crocs because Crocs took a real shellashing when they came oh, out. Yeah. It was it, you were mocked if you had them. You were mocked if you wore socks and you had them. You were mm-hmm. eviscerated. And I don't feel like they were really rebranded. I feel like eventually no. the people who complained just got older and were like, yeah, fucking Crocs. They're fine. I just I want put, put, I need shoes. I don't want to tie nothing. Just, uh, give me, give me these fucking Crocs. Give me the plastic shoes. Just fucking give them to me. Yep. Uh, all uh, 
trends that are that are worthwhile uh, do endure in one form or another. It's like how uh, for a while I hated uh, the entire concept of dabbing. I thought it was stupid, and it, and it just kind of like stuck around so much that I was just like, eh, "It's fine." I just don't care enough yeah. anymore to hate it. I think <laughs> I, I, I think the real like we really had to think like. Maybe planking wasn't such a bad thing. Maybe planking should come back. You know, it just didn't live long enough to get past the dumb know. phase. Well, I think that you've just kind of proven my point that <laughs> <laughs> it just didn't have the staying power to get past the ire. I, yeah, oh. you know, we will re-examine these things and be like, we were too harsh on LMFAO. We should really give it those guys even more of a leeway in creating like music. Uh, the yeah, and and you know, uh, it's just goes to show that like if you if you choose the wrong target of your ire, then eventually uh, Sakamoto Days becomes a really successful manga, and you're just gonna have to deal with it. Or Delicious in Dungeon becomes a really successful manga, and you just have to deal with it yeah. and <laughs> to deal with everyone calling you wrong uh-huh. for years. <laughs> you know, sometimes it happens. Uh, sometimes you say Kill Blue is generic garbage. This will never catch on. And then it's far and away the most successful of any jumpstart in the past year. So maybe not the past year, but the past uh, right. very recent memory. A little while, definitely. Well, guys, uh, we do have a lot of manga to talk about today, uh-huh. uh, and we're, that's so why we're weirdly going to talk about none of it. We're actually yeah, wrapping right. up the episode, guys. I hope everybody here has enjoyed themselves. Uh, my uh, my favorite series this week was Sonic Crocs, and <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, it's an interesting choice. I know, considering there are were no chapters and as far as i know there are not going to be any chapters but it was still my chapter of the week on the other shoe there's more sonic more rings a thumbs up and then of course the iconic chili dog i was wondering what those things were on it yeah little charms the little and doodads. I, and i don't know if my life is better or worse for having had that mystery <laughs> revealed if I ever meet you, Nick, again, uh, I'm gonna wear Sonic Crocs, and you can you can try okay. them on and see how you feel. Maybe it'll like change your life. You're like, babe, I need some Sonic Crocs right now. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm gonna get rid of all my shoes. I'm a Sonic Crocs guy now. Quinn, I don't know how to tell you this. My fashion sense has not changed since I was 14. I That's don't... excellent. <laughs> I really envy you. Like truly, you were like, eh, this shirt has a skull on it. That's pretty <laughs> cool. <laughs> I, I say this as I can literally see a t-shirt with a skull on it. Uh, yeah, I wish I had that. I, I'm in this weird point of trying to figure everything out, amongst other things. Yeah. I wish I had that sensibility to just be like, no, the things I like is 14, the things I'm going to like always. The way you talk about it, it sounds like it's something that I should be praised for or like I was trying to flex with it. When in reality, I was just acknowledging the truth of what what, I I I, I don't know how to explain it to you. This is truly an enviable trait. (laughs) I I guess I understand that in terms of like if you don't if you just have settled on it, it's one less thing in your life to worry about. Yeah. So I do get that. There's no like. Oh, the seasons are changing. What should I do to like re upend my wardrobe? What kind of style am I trying to make a statement as? And Nick walks in and he's like, There's a skull on this shirt. It's fine. It sounds good. <laughs> Is it's it black? 
It's 95 degrees outside and humid. Blue jeans are fine. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> All you need to do is make a couple bad movies and you can basically need to be the new Kevin Smith. <laughs> <laughs> Just the cuffs of my pants start to gradually they expand. slowly go up. <laughs> oh, man. Guys, <laughs> we do have to talk about Monk. Uh... I think that we'll start off like we usually do with My Hero Academia, if that's cool with everyone. I'll allow uh, it. All right. So remember last time how it looked like we were going to get, hey, Toga's going to choose her villain name. Well, she kind of did by not doing that. Uh, mm-hmm. It's 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 chapter number 393, A Girl's Ego. And we begin with the flashback, which was, you know, twice saying to Toga, hey, do you want to, like, check out a villain name? And uh, they're actually talking with the rest of the uh, League of Villains. Spinner points out that she and Chikaraki are the only ones who don't have villain names. And Toga's like, nah, that's fine. And everyone's like, oh, well, what about something like Vampirus Carmilla? And it's like, I, too, remember uh, the first season of Yu-Gi-Oh! GX. That was, uh, she was a cool villain. Uh and I um, wish that uh, some of those villains had shown up more. You know the Dark Scorpions showed up in that same arc. Um, You're saying words to me right now, and I believe I'm supposed to know who these characters are, but I assure you Asuka's, I not. Asuka's older brother was there, and he wore a mask because he was possessed by an evil spirit that was literally called Darkness. I read the manga, Nick. And I don't remember that. (laughs) And what I mean by that is I don't remember the manga. So asking me to ever scenes from a television show I didn't watch is is insanity at this point. Let me tell you about the weirdest episode of that arc very, very briefly. Uh, So within the arc, there were like, you know, like a very small group of villains where it was like, oh, you guys have to defeat these seven guys and like and they're going to try and beat you. Standard Yu-Gi-Oh plot thing. One of the elite assassin guys that was in this group was a, for some reason, still alive pharaoh, or I guess he was like the spirit of a pharaoh that had been somehow resurrected. He showed up on an ancient Egyptian jet, uh, and which he and Judai dueled on top of, and then it turned out that he was bad at dueling, and all of his servants just deliberately lost to him to serve his ego so halfway through the duel judai realized like wait a minute you're terrible at dueling <laughs> and then he beats him so when you say pharaoh I, you don't mean pharaoh from like the original Yu-Gi-Oh, like adam or whatever no 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 no. it was not a, a term it, his yeah. name was i think anasis so so like they were just like following the rich tradition of a tem, I also played dual monsters, but I yeah. uh, sucked ass, as yes. you can say. So everyone just lost to me. They're like, dude, it's super cool. You played that fourteen hundred attack monster and attack mode and bastard. I mean, it was a pretty garbage game deck that he had. Yes, uh, but then again, like everyone in Yu-Gi-Oh! GX had garbage decks because you know it was before the showrunners decided maybe we should have like decks that make sense and have strategies that work with together and stuff. Anyway, uh, it, all of this is just as, as just as fascinating as the name that the villains have about villain names. Uh, one of which Dobby is like, I don't think that you should have to have a villain name. That's all just like you know, it's 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 in order to just like be cloud uh, cr- crowd pleaser. And Mister Compress is like, do you call yourself Dobby? Like, what the? Do you, do you, yeah. To clarify, Dobby means like a, a cremation, right? 
I don't know. Oh. Does it? Uh, that's what somebody said last week. There's like a little it's like a little thing underneath whose real name hmm. we've yet to learn. Okay. I I've heard it's it's like a it's like a pun to some extent. That Dobby means something like cremation or immolation or something like that. Okay. Someone in that our someone sense. in our chat I feel like said that last uh, last episode okay. we talked about it. Thank you to you who did that. So, yes. Uh there they also like throw around a bit of like there's apparently a speculative history about where aliases came from uh and it's you know a lot of things in terms of like you know how you would kind of like think about like why you would have those things in the real world like oh it would be to you know hide your identity if you were going to go outside the law and stuff and then eventually when heroes adapted it it was it became more for marketability Uh, some say it came from comic books which is it's weird to think that this series that is based on comic books had comic books in it before there were superheroes and then superhero culture followed. It was a little bit, it's a little bit odd. Uh, but uh, Toga, you know, brings up that like, Hey, I, I joined the league so that because I want to live as Himiko Toga. So that's just who, what I'm going to be and who I'm going to identify as. So it makes sense. Uh, in the present, she's uh, being very angry at Uraraka, whom she has just stabbed in the gut, and there is a amazing amount of blood coming out of Uraraka's stomach wound. Like, yeah, fully that is a, a lot. In one spurt. <laughs> she, so re- she, she really hit a big one there. She'd be a nurse. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure she'd be great at it. Uh-huh. Uh, so, Uraraka manages to do something. I think she belly to belly suplexes her while they're both zero gravity in midair. Uh, and, but uh, Toga's like, oh, it's fine, though. You know, I, I, I'm floating, so it's not like, you know, anything's going to happen. And also, you know, she can mimic Uraka's ability. Uh, and so she's like, look, I know you're just trying to, like, sweet talk me right now. You're still planning on throwing me in jail or you're just going to kill me like they did to Jean. Uh, so I'm just I know that this is just win or lose, live or die. I, we're not going to settle this by talking. And anyway, the way all the stuff that you're talking about is just empty. Uh, if you're not looking down at me and pitying me, you're just serving your own ego. And uh, so she unleashes more of the sad man's legion using twice technique, summons more gene clones, summons more clones of, you know, some of the heroes that are fighting with her, whose blood she managed to consume up to this point. Uh, and as this is going on, this massive literal wave of humanity taking over more and more of the battlefield, uh, one of the newscopter people uh, brings up like, hey, remember that quirk singularity thing? We've often heard that that's going to happen. Well, here it is. And it's like, well, yeah, this does look pretty disastrous right now that a single person is causing all this destruction. Yes, that's true. Uh, and uh, Toga sends out a whole ton of clones to just kind of swarm in a column of flesh towards Uraraka to try and crush her. And she uses martial arts to stop them. You know, it's, it's fine. Uh-huh. You know, hundreds of people. She uses martial arts while she's floating in there. She's like, ha yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And then they were all they done. Do. They were defeated. Uh, so Toga brags like, Hey, I don't care that, you know, you use your power to like cause them all to float, which she has. Because uh, you haven't done any damage to them. And Uraraka says, my zero gravity isn't a power for hurting people. Uh, and 
Uh, she's talking pretty good for a person who, you know, was stabbed in the stomach and has started coughing up blood. And she continues to throughout the rest of this chapter with seemingly no um, further problems. So, adrenaline? I don't know. So, She's convicted, Nick. She's a superhero. Just like yeah. the song says, Hero to you could be a true hero with all stomach your blood. <laughs> Don't stop you from being a hero. <laughs> you didn't need all that blood inside of you. <laughs> it's like, what the fuck is she singing about now? Like, hold on. I don't like this new chorus. I don't know. I'm kind of like losing this now. <laughs> hey, did anyone think that Jiro might have been replaced by Toga midway through the, the, <laughs> the part? I mean, besides the fact that her voice has changed very significantly, it does seem like and she's I'll singing a lot more about blood. And also, in between each verse, she just kind of, like, leans over to one of her classmates and starts biting them in the neck. I don't know. I just, just, just I don't know. Um, heroes are weird, you know? Maybe she's yeah. just, like, doing the thing. She's know? like, no, that's what heroes would do. Heroes do. <laughs> they drink this each other's blood. <laughs> Behavior for a hero. <laughs> oh, you, okay, if she's singing it, it must be true. <laughs> you wouldn't know you're not a hero. Oh, wait, everyone in this school is. <laughs> Shit. I'm losing the thread. <laughs> okay, so Uraka <laughs> uh, keeps on trying to, you know, get through to Toga and says, like, hey, look, I know that the first time that we met each other, yeah, you, you scared the crap out of me, and I didn't understand you back then. Which, I mean, look, you were grinning really insanely the first time that I saw you when you were trying to kill us, so... Of course, I was kind of scared of you. Uh, but Toga, you know, thinks back to one of the last things that Jean got to say to her, which was just like, oh, hey, well, if you're going to just like, you know, call yourself Toga and live as Toga, that's great. Kill whoever you want to and, you know, just be whoever you want. And at the same time, she's remembering all the times that she has been told that she looks creepy and she's, you know, a murderer and all that stuff. And so having those things in conjunction with Araka says causes her to lash out at her again. And uh, Uraka thinks to herself, like, look, over time, I've seen I'm always like looking at people, looking at the people who are smiling. And I think that being able to declare what you love and do it with your whole face, that smile of yours is so perfect that I'm honestly jealous of you. And uh, this now suddenly clashes with all the stuff that people in Noga's life have told her about how her smile is creepy and stuff. And Uraka reaches out a hand and, and she says, I don't want to pretend that I never saw that amazing smile. And all of the clones that she has been causing to float, suddenly the float effect floats into more people and starts causing them to float as well. And they realize, and Jira realizes while well, in the midst of this battle, like, Uraka didn't touch me, but she. But now I'm floating with her ability. It somehow spread between all the bodies that came into contact. And uh, Uraka says to Toga, I can't erase all your crimes. I can't approve what you've done. But if any of you still feels like talking to me, you can have a lifetime's worth of my blood and let's have a chat about romance. Uh... See, it is normal behavior for a hero. Uh -huh. yeah. Look, drink my blood. This is normal <laughs> for a hero. <laughs> so I'm struggling right now with this 
because there are some bits of this that stick out here and there that's like, oh, that's, you know, nice that things are like tying together thematically between Toga and Uraka's backstories in terms of like, you know, the importance of a smile in both their lives uh, and how the differences in those are now coming into a clash and coming to a head here. Uh, hey, Uraka gets a thing where her quirk is suddenly awakening and evolving uh, in a very similar way, actually, that Shigaraki's did uh, uh -huh. before this. That's that's cool, too. The whole thing with Toga and saying, like, he's like, no, I don't want a villain name because I just want to live as myself. That's a nice, you know, twist on that. I just wish that the one big thing in this entire manga, which is a conflict between two female characters, doesn't constantly have the point hammered home of, let's talk about love. And that's Let's just talk about yeah. We we've got boys to talk about. We can't yeah. Um, I I agree with you. I, I I think I like what this chapter is trying to do. I like a lot of the elements of it. I think there is some difficulty with the art, uh, but that's just a, a commonplace at this point. Sometimes it's just tough to tell where things are, what they're doing. Um, but I I think for me, um. I, I really do wish that Uraraka uh, had been a more present character throughout the story because so much of this is sort of about her interpretation of heroes and what they are. And I feel like unlike Bakugo and Todoroki and Deku, who we've kind of followed throughout the whole story, I don't have as full of a picture of what Toga or Uraraka's um, kind of view of heroing is. Um we get bits and pieces of it certainly um but i i do think that there's a part of me that's just wishes maybe she had been involved in more stories um or we had gotten little bits of her that would have felt like and i wish this didn't feel like this was her beginning and end necessarily yeah. um so to that degree i'm a little bummed but otherwise I am glad we're at least getting something. I, I, I do have to be very clear. I, I really did wonder. I was like, are we going to get to the end of this manga and Uraraka is going to amount to very little? Um, so I'm glad we're getting something here. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm, I'm trying to look on the positive in terms of that, but I it, that is a big thing that is in my head. It is just, well... Uh, this is the Vectal battle. Uh, that this is what's going to be the focus of things. It's just them talking about romance or Uraka insisting that they talk about romance. Well, Toga refuses to think about the, you know, the guy that she was crushing on while thinking about the other guy in this manga that she loved, uh, and it, not necessarily romantically, but, you know, look, the, her primary male relationship is the big thing that is on her mind during all this as well. So, uh, yep. Uh, anyway, I let's let's talk about Undead Unluck. Yeah, let's move on to Undead Unluck. This is number one sixty six, Untruth, and uh, we get a nice color pa uh, color page with uh, basically all the martial arts characters here in yeah, their gonna, cool poses. I'm gonna spoil uh, the the end of the year thing when we normally pick this stuff out. This is this is my color spread of the year uh, okay. this is the best this is the best one and if you disagree you're wrong uh so fair enough nick putting his foot down 
so we open in a flashback of Shen basically being like, hey, like, dude, you're always going on about the strongest this, the strongest that. Like, what does being the strongest even mean? And Fang just repeats what Foucault mentioned to him. Like, those who care for others with an unwavering heart are the strongest people around. Or so I'm told. I don't, I don't really get it. It doesn't really make sense to me. <laughs> um, I guess it makes sense that, you know, that comes to mind for him, considering that he is only training Shen because he was told to by her. So uh, so we cut into the present. Uh, Shen and Mui are having their fight. Uh, they're both doing really well. We take a look over at Feng, who is like, hey, I have this fucking rod thing. He just kind of point. It's just on his finger. It's very spontaneous. He's like, so I got this for like beating up a bunch of barbarians on a whim. He basically won an artifact <laughs> as a pure accident. I I ate this this wonder ball, and this was the prize inside, <laughs> and I don't know what to do with it. <laughs> He's just like, hey, it's a staff. It expands. It can be used. It was used by some Wukong. However, it only brings its power out for the truly strong. And unlike the Jushin Tekken rod, this thing doesn't react to me. So, is this the true? Like, is this the truth of it? And Fuku's like, yeah, the last person to use it was strong. So Fang is like, if the truly strong, as defined by this thing, is the same person you mentioned in the past, and he's like, you know what? Fuck it. I don't get this. Maybe I just don't want to. <laughs> but I have to wonder. Every time I watch my dumb disciple out there kind of cross this this woman, he gets stronger, and I can tell that, for a fact, is the truth. And it doesn't sit well with me, because I'm really quite a dick. Yeah, um, he is. And Fuko's just like, I think you'll find the answer watching this match. So we continue the fight. They're doing really well. Uh, it's a lot of back-and-forth action. We get another little flashback of Shen kind of as a young kid being like, you know what? Fuck this. This sucks. I hate training. I don't want food or a place to stay. Nothing comes good fucking train all the time. And Shen just, or Fang just picks it up and is just like, listen, kid, like in this world, it's survival of the fittest. Like, what would be the point of teaching, like laying a weakling like you out into the world? If you want to escape, you're going to have to kill me, basically. And Shen just kind of like figures he's like, oh, wait. So all this training's for my sake? Oh, then if I get stronger, I'll never get bullied. Lee <laughs> Fang just like throws him to the ground. It's like, no, you're an idiot. The weak will die. Only the strong survive. And uh, Shen's just like, I won't die. After all, you're strong, Fang. See, so you'll protect us. Mm. Aw. Keep that in mind. Uh, we cut to the present as Shen's like, yeah, I think I finally get it. Just like you, I was pretty slow on the uptake, but you know that was all those feelings i had back then thinking like to kind of like the weird family unit <laughs> that he had and he's like every one of movies punches has jogged a memory i get stronger for other people's sake i get stronger for you and for me and for for may and yeah you know what even for you too old man like i'm, I'm getting stronger for everybody's sake and i'm sure this feeling this emotion and he, like, you know, starts talking again. He's like, hey, Mui, let's keep getting stronger together. Even after we've all grown old, I'm sure it'll be the most fun ever. He thinks. It's so heartwarming because they have been beating the shit out of each other. Yeah. Just full throttle, no punches pulled, 
both of them are like bleeding from the mouth, have black eyes, and he looks at like, let's just get stronger. And Moe's like, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> yeah, it, it very much has that energy that like Greta Gerwig and Sauri Saronin had, where they were like, I kind of just want to make movies with you until we're little old ladies and still making movies. <laughs> like, I love that kind of cute energy. Just like, I want to do this until we're old. This is how much I love this. Uh, he thinks this is the truth behind becoming the strongest he's like all right this next one's gonna solve this and Shen, Shen, you know building up this big attack and fuko's like here it comes he's like here it comes and Mui just walks straight into the punch untruth is activated and has sent her fucking flying she got sucked into his move because she was trying to fight him and so instead it was super effective yeah so Mui has gone flying fang's like what the fuck shen's like i gotta go uh, I don't remember if this was established or it probably was. I just forgot it. But this entire tournament has been taking it to- like place atop like a Dragon Ball Z mountain. It, I don't know how to describe is, it. <laughs> it is one of those mountains that Piccolo hangs out on. It is <laughs> yeah. just really Sheer wide plateau. Rock. But the, 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 the drop off is incredible. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so she's going to fall off this mountain. Shen's going after her. And catches her, but he's like, fuck, I can't, the like, the mountain's too far away, I can't grab onto anything, I think we're going to die. But then Fuko, and all the rest of Union are there, and Fuko's like, call the staff, I know you can do it, summon it, and leave the rest to me. Uh, so, Shen calls the staff, and we just get this awesome two-page spread where the staff, like, impales itself into a wall, and then we have a chain of, like, Fuko grabs Shen, uh, Billy grabs Fuko, Yusai grabs Billy, Void grabs Yusai, uh, and everyone just starts thanking each other. So, you know, Fuko's like, thanks, Billy! And Billy's like, thanks, Yusai. And it gets to Void, and he's just like, yeah, thanks! Who the fuck's got my legs? <laughs> and then it cuts over, and it's Fang, who's just holding them all. He's like, is this disgraceful display supposed to be, like, your strength? And they're like, yeah, we're kind of weird sometimes. He's so casually disgusted, be- and like everyone's done the thing where they're like, you know, reaching out as hard as they can to snag the person they're leaning down to do it, and he's just standing on top of the staff, grabbing Void's yeah. ankles, like, ugh. <laughs> I, hate, I hate all of you guys. Uh, so uh, Shen just says, hey, I'm going to repay you for this gesture with my fist. I figured out what it means to be what you always talked about, what it means to be the strongest. Let's get to it. The championship round. So Fang's like, all right, let's do it. Let's find out which one of our strengths is the strongest. Um, yeah. There is no explanation exactly. I guess they were just like, that was a pretty good hit. Movie's out. <laughs> Like, there isn't, like, any... I don't think there's anything that, like, specifically says how she's disqualified. Because uh, this is where Rumble rules, I assume. She's not disqualified until her corpse hits the pavement at this point. <laughs> uh, Yeah, I don't know exactly what qualifies as being ring out. If you can be outside the ring, like, in all three dimensions, or yeah. if you're touching something outside of it. Because she definitely hasn't touched... Well, no, hang on. So, they're on the staff. So, the staff has gone through the plateau and they're latched onto it. So there might be an argument here for double count out rules. You're right, Quinn. So Well actually by that argument, I think uh Shen loses because if you count the people who are grabbing onto it, 
uh, they're grabbing mm. onto Shen first. This is like Royal Rumble, real Royal Rumble rules, where you're like, whose feet hit the ground first? You're like, if you count the staff hitting the, the mountain as like out, and then that chain... I don't know. I think we're gonna have to get Vince McMahon out here. He's gotta You're do his big walk. Know. He's gonna You're rip not gonna know <laughs> until someone comes out here to say it while sitting down like an idiot in the middle of the ring because all of the leg muscles in both his legs have been torn in half. <laughs> <laughs> to be clear, I know she is just unconscious. Um, it's just in my mind. They're like, let's get to the ch- the final round. I'm like, mm, uh, the referee hasn't said anything yet. <laughs> I do think we have to respect the laws of this <laughs> very cartoonish sport we're playing. Yeah, I guess she could be unconscious. Hmm. I mean, she did walk straight into his strongest attack, basically. Yeah. So. Well, I mean, I mean, I don't, we never get like a good look at her face after this, but she is fully limp, uh, and you don't see her face during the entire sequence after that. So oh, you do see it when uh, Shen calls for the staff. You can see like a black eye. Oh yeah, she, okay, she's, she's out. She, yeah, she's out. She's out. You're right. Yeah. But again, I want the ref to be like. Mm, it would have happened mm. in the ring, so like a very, very big stick. Like, mm, I think we're gonna have to do a do-over. Could we prop up with some strings, perhaps? Not since the last man standing match between John Cena and Ryback, where it was we went to a double count out, but then Ryback was the first one to do his feet after it had been called a draw. Has there ever been such controversy in a sporting <laughs> contest? <laughs> oh God, I never saw that, but that angers me just hearing it. All right, yeah, let's talk about uh, Chainsaw Man for Vroom. yeah, it's Chapter One Hundred Thirty Five, Sentimental Drive, which sounds like a very weird martial arts anime technique like the, the sentimental drive <laughs> but uh so there has just been that television show where the church of chainsaw man has you know made this big declaration including chainsaw man saying who he is quote unquote uh it is some other guy who is dressed in a school uniform whose face we don't get to see and uh asa has gotten back home uh, and she reacts to this news as you know, there's all this speculation going on about it. And she immediately looks at this guy and is like, this guy is not Chainsaw Man. Chainsaw Man is stupid. And also he saved my life multiple times. Oh, her <laughs> feelings are complicated. Uh, <laughs> Yoru, <laughs> one, is still disgusted by this. And two, is eating bread. Just I, I was so confused by this when she, like I was like, what is this? Because first and foremost, these low these slices are enormous. This slice has to be the size of her head because her hand is down here and it like moves all like whatever piece of bread it is is going up to here. These are enormous pieces of bread. Big piece of bread. Yes. This is a big old loaf. Yeah. Uh, so she mocks Asa, saying, like, oh, is he your prince in shining armor? Perhaps he saved your life, but he's my mortal enemy, and I plan to kill him. How could you fall in love with Chainsaw Man? I have not! I didn't fall in love with him. Shut up. I don't like him. It's not like I like him. He just keeps saving my life. Saving my life a whole bunch of times. It's complicated and stuff. And Yoru says something really mean, which is, you fall for men so easily. <laughs> it's like... She's starved for affection, and you're not helping that. <laughs> so, but Asa realizes that Yoru's acting kind of weird too, and she says, "Are you in a good mood or something?" Because normally, when I say anything nice about Chainsaw Man, you get really angry. Uh, and Yoru literally goes "heh" and says, 
War draws nigh. The falling devil's mere presence temporarily reversed gravity in places all over the world, and all nations suffered damage and simultaneously became poor. When humans want money, they always go to war. Once they do, they'll all remember and fear me. Makes sense. Yeah. Uh, but then Asa points out, like, well, but if you get your strength back, don't you need to, don't, won't you not need to kill Chainsaw Man? And he's like, of course I gotta kill him. I'll use my renewed strength to kill him. Stop thinking about how we saved you. <laughs> Something about how hunky he is. Asa thinks about how Chainsaw Man saved her and is kind of hunky despite the chainsaw head. <laughs> And she has like a montage flashback. It's honestly compo- compo- composited not in the best way. It's very squished together, but it's, you know, all the stuff involving the Fallen Devil, him pulling her down out of the sky and everything. And Yoru says, No flashbacks! <laughs> <laughs> Which is a great touch. Uh, and so Yoru's like, Stop thinking about it. Stop it. And Asa mentally composes a poem about the time that they went on a motorcycle ride together while he was saving her and she's like stop it it's stop this it is very cringe as well it's It's very embarrassing of a poem she's so 16 and this if nothing else has convinced me yeah she's she's kind of fallen in love with chainsaw man hasn't she uh so, but in the midst of that argument, Fami shows up and looks at the piece of bread <laughs> that, that yours eating. Is like you're eating that plain. Meanwhile, she has stolen the entire rest of the loaf for yeah, herself it's because all, she moves right. quickly. Yeah. Uh, so she's like, "Yeah, can I eat this?" And Asa is like, "The door was locked." Yoru says, "How'd you get in?" Yeah, can I eat this? What do you want? What do you want? Can I eat this? <laughs> I love. That they threw up like like war actually puts up fists, but the like, ass is like whoa, <laughs> and just every response. Can I eat this? Can I eat this? Can I eat this? Uh, I Next don't know. shot, she's eating um. the whole thing. It's gone. Uh, she says very casually after eating that entire loaf of bread uh, and some jam. It looks like yeah, there looks, is an looks like jar. it's strawberry jam. So she 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 knew what she was about. Uh, no, no, not just pure uh, nutrients for this for this woman. Uh, so she says, "I'm here to grant both of your wishes." And uh, Yoru asks what she means, but she's like, "Can I look in your fridge? Leave or I'll kill you." So I guess Yoru really likes that r- fridge. Uh, I guess. Um, so I think she she's also just like, "Get the fuck out of my fridge! Get out of my house!" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> House is like it's actually my house though, <laughs> and you won't leave either. <laughs> so, Fami says, "Well, Asa wants to help Chainsaw Man. Yoru wants to kill him, and it's possible to choose both." Ooh, what does that mean, Nick? How can you choose both? Interesting. Uh, Asa resumes control of the body, which Yoru has seemingly had this entire time, considering she was eating the bread mm-hmm. before. Uh, and she asks, well, how is that possible? And Fami says, well, at this moment, Chainsaw Man's given up on fighting devils because his own heart prevents him from being an ordinary human. Even weakling devils can become powerful by eating strong devils, those who are feared. It's why devils are constantly after him, trapping him in a cycle of violence. Many of the church's followers were saved by Chainsaw Man, 
we want to save him this time. We're hunting down all the devils in town so he won't have to fight. If everyone forgets about Chainsaw Man, he'll grow weak as a devil, and then he can live an ordinary life. It feels like there might be a bit of a flaw in this plan, but anyway. So she wants Asa to join the Chainsaw Man church and fight with them because, you know, so, you know you, you've been saved by him. Don't you want to return the favor? Yora takes over the body again. It's like, I'm not going to help her do that. I refuse even if she does agree. Uh, so Fami says, well, as it turns out, the gray scale of this manga has been hiding important <laughs> detail from all of you. <laughs> Is it the red chainsaw man you want to fight, Yoru? Or is it this black chainsaw man? And Yoru goes, ah, oh, black chainsaw man. Although, I guess it's the full devil chainsaw man. I was gonna man. say, uh, it's the form he took at the end of the last part, where he just like went like full crazy devil. Uh, but Fami says that the two chainsaw men, black and red, are not the same person. Which is definitely possible i mean we've seen two different chainsaw men up to this point although we haven't gotten a good clear one at the fake one yet uh so she says like yeah i understand you didn't realize considering that you know we sisters have no interest in faces <laughs> sorry that's a good excuse <laughs> but she says if you want to fight this chainsaw man you'll need to turn the red chainsaw man back into an ordinary human the chainsaw man that also wants to save the one that Yoru wants to kill are different beings. Join the Chainsaw Man Church, and you can help each other. Asa takes over the body again, and she asks, "Why should we trust you?" Uh, and Fami and she points out, you know, like you manipulated things with Yuko. You were behind the aquarium. This Chainsaw Man Church is really fishy. Also, you keep on staring at my inside my refrigerator. You're letting all the cold out. You're gonna spoil everything, and you're gonna ramp up my electricity bill. Uh, also, she points out that, you know, the Chainsaw Man that they have, or the guy they have posing as Chainsaw Man on TV, is fake. And she's like, yeah, yeah, it's a double to protect Chainsaw Man from devils. But Fami agrees, like, yeah, you don't have to trust me. I'm asking you to trust the church's followers. And let me tell you something. If you can't trust the devout followers of a cult, mm -hmm. who can you trust? Who, if, if we can't trust our neighbors at the local cult, who can we rely on, Nick? Nobody. That's what I say. Mm-hmm. So Asa looks at the TV where they're still showing Your stuff. Your mailman, the paper boy, the local double cult. Those are the three things you can always count on, Nick, in any day, any society. <laughs> you can set your watch by it. Uh-huh. Unless they're a cult to the Watch Devil, then oh no, it's uh... yeah. Then it's then it's real dis it's real it's real dicey. If you try and set your watch by it, they consider that offensive and they will chop off your hand. Uh -huh. um, so don't do that. And then we cut ahead. Uh, as time has been going by, uh, Yoru slash Asa has developed a reputation, uh, having defeated over 10 devils within a month. Uh, and there are people, you know, being interviewed about her saying like, oh yeah, she's really admirable. And uh, is, is she paid with the believers money? Uh, and stuff like that. One person is just like, quit doing this! Stop it! Stop! Stop killing the things that want to kill all of us! Stop it! <laughs> uh, but yeah, Asa has been doing this stuff, and we get a shot of her having conquered a... 
Carpenter Bee Devil. Now, was the Carpenter Bee Devil really that big of an issue? Is Like, Carpenter Bees are the safe ones, aren't they? I mean, they look. They can fuck up your wood, but they don't hurt you. I don't like bees, so I fully understand why there is a devil for this. So, yeah. Uh, and she's, like, standing over its corpse, and she's got... I'm not sure exactly what device this was, but it's a lightsaber now. Uh, <laughs> it looks like it might be like a tape measure or something. Uh, and in, at this point, people are even spreading rumors that maybe she was actually the one who was responsible for defeating the Eternity Devil at the aquarium, which is true. Uh, and so it was like, oh, and I heard they, they, that she found a devil at school as well. Uh, maybe all of Chainsaw Man's kills were actually Mitaka's. Uh, and this uh, comes to a head with uh, Denji, who is wearing a Chainsaw Man shirt. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, and of course, he recognizes Asa's name on the news report. So, we this hope, was an interesting. We moment. hope he recognizes. Her. Well, he says your yeah. name. He says awesome, Mitaka. That'd be great if he was just like, "Do I know her next chapter?" Like he, he has to like open up a yearbook to be like, "Is she in my school?" <laughs> Um, so a couple of things. Uh, so I guess that the earrings that Fami wore are just like because she is quote unquote an important member of the Chainsaw Man church. Uh, I because those things I, I think are just supposed to be records, uh, okay. at this point. Um, I also think that it's interesting that. She is telling Asa, you know, if people just, like, fight in Chainsaw Man's name and do a lot of good, people will not remember him, and therefore he'll lose power. Which seems a little bit weird, up until you actually get to the point of where how, where this is going, of people thinking that all of Chainsaw Man's accomplishments aren't actually his. Because, you know, he's been having Yoshida tell him to not do stuff while other people have been picking up his slack. It makes uh-huh. sense. Um, how many panels, Nick, without counting, do you think uh, or you could you could tell, do you think uh, Fami has uh, a straight on head that isn't tilted at all? There's a lot of panels in this chapter. There's a lot of panels, but she her head is tilted in almost every single one. That's like her trademark move. Define, define, define tilted. Do you mean like, you know, if you were to put it on an axis, would it be tilting? Or do you mean like she actually looks out, so out of the panel at you without tilting her head? Because I don't think there's any of those. No, there there's nothing three. like that. I just mean, I don't think there's any panel where she just has her head like straight on. I feel like every shot... It's tilted. There's a couple where you can't tell because, like, the the, mm-hmm. the the angle of the shot doesn't let you really tell. Um, right. But I think her head is always tilted. That's like her characteristic. I like that. Yeah, she's trying. She's obsessed with Dutch angles, so she's you know just like kind of doing it so that she can see. Ah, uh, she's uh, she's actually not the famine devil. She's the Wes Anderson devil, created <laughs> by everyone's fear of Wes Anderson and his movies. Understandable. <laughs> She she wants a world where there's uh, 499 actors who all wackily inter- interact with each other. Uh, every room is uh, shot from very far away with miniatures. 
and uh, dry humor is is where dry stupid humor is where it's at its best. By the way, Asteroid City, phenomenal movie, one of my favorite movies of the year. <laughs> I, I, I I say this with love. I love Wes Anderson. I love every one of his silly little creatures. Uh, one hundred of the five of the four ninety nine people are just Bill Murray. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, of this, of this five of uh, four hundred and some odd number, there's one black guy. Yeah, <laughs> and, I was gonna say, and no, no black women. women, and no black women whatsoever. <laughs> I was blown away in the newest West Anderson movie because I was like, I think they got two black men in this movie. They got two old black men. <laughs> oh boy, let's talk about Spy Family. It's, it's where the spies are. That it's, that's is. its catchphrase. It's where the spies are. It's where the spies are. Spy Family Mission 84. Uh, Fiona has got uh, w- w- Wheeler. Wheeler. Yuda. Yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I forget his actual name. <clears throat> She's got Wheeler at gunpoint, uh, and they've got him cornered, you know, between a car and a hard place, basically. Uh, and she's like, all right, you know, like slide the backpack that you're wearing off and go quietly. They, they, uh, another one of the agents ties his hands up, uh, and literally like, because, because they're trying to find, uh, the information that he's been sneaking off. They're like, all right, search him. And they're like literally cutting his jacket off so that he doesn't have his hands free while they search him and stuff. And eventually, uh, they seem to come across it. Uh, and then Wheeler is like, all right, here we go. And he, does something truly insane, which is with his hands behind himself, he grabs the guy's shirt, and then in the same motion that he gets his hands out in front of his body by, you know, jumping over his hands, he also pulls the guy in front of him, which seems impossible, uh, but it's fine. And then he puts the guy and then he puts the guy in uh, the coquina clutch, uh, and uh, so things are things are bad right now, and he's like, "Hey, drop the gun, or I'm gonna snack it, snap his neck." And Fiona's like, "No," <laughs> she's like, "Nah, dude, we came here to die. We all know the risks. Sucks, suck, okay. but sorry, champ." Uh, one of the other agents comes around the car, and so Wheeler s- snaps the guy around, grabs uh the knife that the guy used to cut his jacket off, so that he can get free of his bonds. He jumps over the 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 ledge that he's on. And uh, goes down into uh, an entrance into the sewers uh, after throwing the knife into the barrel of Fiona's gun. So this guy's kind of broken. So uh, he he dashes off. He, Fiona ma- goes he maxed out his acrobat stat. It's it's real good. Yeah, he gets to do that thing where you just like get to get to take ten uh, yeah. in even in dire situations. So uh, so Fiona pursues him into the sewers. And uh, so she thinks it's like, okay, well, I, I got to think about this. Maybe I, I can just like rendezvous with Twilight. Uh, no, I, I'm not sure if that's a certainty. We've gotten the file back, but I don't know if he's memorized his contents or not. So we, we still need to secure him. Uh, but maybe withdrawing would expose me to less danger. But she thinks about what Twilight would say in this circumstance, which is like, this is what's at stake. We've got to hold on to the peace between East and West. And she knows like, I can't just stop here. I've got to keep this going. Even if it costs Twilight, his life or me, mine, the mission's got to be completed. This is really important. And I don't need to be with Twilight forever. If I were to sacrifice myself for his sake, that would be good enough. And she imagines him coming across her body and her dying dramatically in his arms. 
and then going back home being like the love of my life just died and so you're saying oh you're so sad i'll make you forget about her and she's like no no that can't happen i've got to live i do like as she goes from like be like being like i'll dramatically die here to be like never mind i have to live that bitch won't get this one over on me uh and she goes off with her pursuit with renewed vigor uh, meanwhile, Lloyd is uh, limping around the tunnel, still wounded after his skirmish with Yuri. He still disguises Yuri, and uh, he hears some footsteps uh, ahead of himself. And he tries to figure out what's going on, and he realizes, like, oh, wait, these footsteps are those of someone being pursued. It, it, might, it might be Wheeler on the run from Nightfall's team, uh, but I can't jump to conclusions. Uh, and uh, so... When Wheeler comes out, uh, it's not, like, casually. Like, you know, Lloyd's kind of, like, sneaking around, and Wheeler ambushes him and tries to smash his head with a brick. Uh, and uh, so Lloyd jumps away and is like, oh, it's, it's hey, you're with the Wheeler, right? I'm with the SSS. I was pursuing a wise agent in the sewers. And Wheeler's like, hmm, show me your ID just to be sure. What about the guy you were pursuing? Oh, well, securing you is the top priority. Hmm, Lieutenant Yuri Breyer. Hoss kicks him in the in the ribs, and uh, he's like, "Oh, so that's you who you're disguised as?" Then you're from you're from Wise. Before I could tell that those footsteps were those of someone being chased, <laughs> which is a nice little echo. Of like, oh, they this guy is basically just as good as Lloyd, and uh, you know Lloyd's badly injured, so he's at a disadvantage here. Uh, and uh, he says, "Hey, let's take a look at that face of yours because it'll be one more gift for the SSS." And uh, we cut over to Fiona, still going through the tunnels, and she comes across the aftermath of their battle, and Lloyd got his ass kicked, apparently. He is on the ground, pinned down, uh, bleeding, uh, and looking really, really messed up. And uh, Fiona sees the body, and she kind of instinctively knows what's going on, but she is in denial at first, thinking, like, that's just Yuri Briar, that's just Yuri Briar, that's just Yuri Briar. Uh, and Wheeler's like, oh, hold on a second. I was just getting to the good part. And he starts to rip away Lloyd's disguise. And uh, Fiona has uh, a moment uh, as she thinks that Lloyd is dead. Um, It's, yeah, like the rats start running away. Like everyone's terrified of her. She makes a big stomp. Um, uh, This is, I don't know how to feel about this because I do think it's kind of cool. I guess that's it. I guess it's just kind of cool. On one hand, I'm like, it's a little weird because I do feel like uh, this character, Nightfall, becomes more and more kind of flanderized over time where there really is only one characteristic to her, which is loves Lloyd. Um, But I do think it's cool to be like, here's my extreme mode. Yes. Uh, Quinn, uh, I I question uh, your interpretation of that. At what point did she have a second character trait? (laughs) Uh, she is competent spy. She does also have that going for her. So I guess that's what we're going to see. We're going to see the competent spy part. I mean, we saw it earlier at the start of this chapter. She didn't let Wheeler get away. That was either Nudnik. Yeah, that was Agent Nudnik. Captain Nudnik. He just got promoted, though. He's a Nepo baby. (laughs) Captain Nudnik. I hate him so much. Uh, and just you wait, he's gonna be General Nudnik one day. Yeah, we're all gonna have to be saluting this fucking asshole. Everyone's like, That's his full name. F- 
fucking asshole, Ludwig. <laughs> that's that's Colonel <laughs> General Asshole Nudnik. Fucking A Nudnik. How are you doing today, sir? <laughs> My friends call me F.A. <laughs> F.A. Nudwig. <laughs> oh God. Okay. Uh, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. We had to talk about Ian Zero, Nick. This is chapter 247. To the field of battle! Ah. Nick, so much happens in this chapter. No, it doesn't! Yet nothing happens in this chapter. Don't lie to me! Um... We, we continue on Red Planet. It was a big reveal that Noah was there, and he's like the Interstellar Union Army uh, coordinator for the Al Cosmos. Or no, not the Al Cosmos. The Sakura Cosmos, sorry. Uh, I don't know why. I guess he's a weird pervert or like a prude because he's just like, Rebecca, why are you in a swimsuit? And she's like, we're at the beach. He's like, we're oh, at the beach. <laughs> it's a provocative swimsuit. Could you please take it off? Could you please put something else on? Ooh. Uh, I don't know why he's a weird little freak like that. Uh, bunch of characters. We, just had to like, have, we had to have another character trait for this character. Yeah. That just the guy who was the guild master this guy yeah legitimately i feel like has done very little throughout the story i know he's been involved throughout the story but i don't this really is... feel like he's been a central part of like any major storyline he just I occasionally mean, showed chapter... up in those stuff yeah this is chapter 247 i believe his first appearance was in chapter two yeah so. um he's like look i don't really know what we all used to do in the other worlds but you know i could just tell you what the facts are of this world basically and uh, like well have you been paying attention to us in the other world it's like no the person who's known all about this and informed all of us is this person here he points to a screen it's Saint fire Knox, and she's like hey i'm the director of operations for the yukino cosmos and i remember everybody connor's here he woke up my memories after he woke up his own i guess just i don't know floating in space again hit by a rock who knows uh they haven't been able to contact anybody though because basically the events of every other universe were like they're hunted down by their cult for having a romance and everything like that still kind of going on so like we're playing the everything like that but like there's stuff going on um they're like okay why why are all these like union interstellar army leader people coming together and they're like oh not all of them here's elsie leonard interstellar union army operator for the cade cosmos she uh is in a real princess attire wow i'm actually extremely thankful for this I was Why? terrified we were going to have to do an entire fucking arc about this, but I really feel oh, like okay. we are fast forwarding <laughs> through all of this shit because <laughs> they do everything we knew. She's together with James. Everyone else from like their little groups are just like, hey, we're here and it's pretty cool. Um, There's jokes about how it's like, what? You're, you were justice in our world. Everyone makes fun of his name. And I'm like, everyone else's names are just as stupid. I don't know why this name's whatever. Um, yeah, can you imagine like, giving yourself the alias Justice, right? Holy. Yeah. And all right, victory. <laughs> uh, so 
they they're just like a couple other silly little jokes about like yeah in the other world elsie was a pirate she's like i would never be a pirate it's so stupid i'll beat up everybody uh jesse is here it's very fun to me he was such a fuck in the other world and there is no change to his character he just gets to be here and be cool with everybody else so good job to you i guess dude Hey, what do you think? What you, hey, uh, Jesse, what do you think you would do if like uh, anything ever happened where like uh, one of us died? Oh, I would. Hey, <laughs> it would be my fault, but I would take no ownership of it. I would lie to you guys, send you on a crusade against uh, them that would ruin any potential alliance between us. There would never be any actual conflict between us, though. It would just kind of go nowhere until all you got killed by a death trap set up by someone could entirely unrelated. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, wow, it sounds like you were a real scumbag in this other world. It's like, I, I'm no, no, no. This is just I literally just think about this every waking moment. <laughs> I just think about shooting you and then screaming right away, blaming it on somebody else. I don't, I don't know. I just it's it's like a silly little thing I do. Um, they explain the reason why all these like heads of the different galaxies are together is to be like, hey, we need you guys to take down the Edens one. It's super duper dangerous. It's connecting. It's collecting Mother Ether. It's it's really bad. And you guys are the only one capable of fighting the one. So we help us. And it, it really striking home the pointlessness of this entire exchange. The crew's like, yeah, we we're already kind of planning to do this. <laughs> so. <laughs> Sounds good. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I forgot her name. Sapphire Knox is like, I don't really want to send my daughter into battle. Rebecca gets like almost a full page spread to be like, don't worry. I fought my whole life and I'm going to keep on fighting. And it's like, all right, cool. Whatever. Shiki's like, don't worry. I'm going to be there for her mom and dad. Oops, maybe too early with that. Whatever. Who cares? He doesn't say that, but he should. I, anyway, I mean, I mean, I, I, I was about to point out, I was like, no, that doesn't, that's not actually said. But yeah, given the general tone of everything and the the intensely scaldingly hot heteroness of the end of this chapter, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so they're like, all right, cool. Hey, you might have to watch out. God, Acnoella is going to be there. Um, killer because she's just the old bitch who cares i don't know whatever there's like very little catharsis to that moment it's something no. that elsie just drops off and then kind of walks away with uh cut over to eraser and holy after everyone's left they're like wow this is a big responsibility but we couldn't do it we ran the calculations a billion times and we'd never defeat one uh but we can give our all, all our support so let's let's go to war uh and then Andrew shows up, the, the pilot who died in the last universe at the start of the Red Cave arc, or uh, mini arc, whatever the fuck you call it. He's alive. He makes food. Uh-oh, everyone else left. They're gonna eat it. Don't worry. Yeah. Uh, but the chapter ends with uh, Elsie and uh, Justice holding hands, and then Safefire, Knox, and Connor looking at each other, and Andrew and Nadia like being lovey-dovey. And uh, Holy and Eraser make a joke that's like, yeah, does it make you jealous? You're the only one here who's not attached. So I guess saying that Eraser and Holy are uh-huh. a couple, I guess. I, I guess. Because <laughs> they've been in scenes together. I don't know if they really had any kind of chemistry, but. I don't know if they know anything personal about each other. But yes, 
one would have to conclude if St. Firemont Knox, not St. Fire Knox, all these people's names are so stupid. Nova, what's his face? Nick, how can you say that? Master Noah. Master Noah is his name. If they say Master Noah is the only person here who is not romantically connected and six of the other eight are just couples, then yes, the natural conclusion is that the last two are also a couple. They could have partners separate from this group. Fox. In fact, if they established that, I would be, immediately be like, oh my god. Fox, <laughs> a Fox, character trait. Fox Cloak is bringing up that it's probably in reference to the other th- them being the four different commanders of the army. So he's I don't old. believe that. <laughs> I also agree. I think it's very weird. Anyway, this is also a wildly stupid way to end the chapter. That is it. That is the end of the chapter. I, I'm at my breaking point. I can't. I can't. Look, can we get to the point where the person who is having the dream of this perfect world realizes that something is actually nefarious about it and they have to escape from the nightmare that they've been trapped in to prevent them from doing the important thing. Everything is too nice. It's so boring. It's like, what if you did one of those Star Trek alternate universe things, except instead of an alternate universe where everything went wrong somehow and so you had to make it back, it's like, what if everything were just nice? What if Not like fucking ruled? What if everything were just, like, not interesting, there were no dramatic conflicts at all to think of, every villain that they come across is defeated in two chapters once they actually find them? It's so boring. (laughs) I hate this. Uh, My favorite part is that we get an entire chapter of, like, explaining every fucking character, because we already got two of them last chapter. Now it's like, we gotta explain St. Farinax, we gotta explain... Fucking Elsie, all these characters we know, we gotta give them a shot so you can firmly be known that all these characters are in this universe and are happy, they're good, everybody, everybody, everybody. Every single like, one. To be like, we need you guys to take down the one. And they're like, oh, we were already gonna do that. We were already gonna do it. <laughs> and they're like, well, what am I reading? Why am I here? What is my purpose? Like, I start having existential thoughts as I read this chapter. I'm like, why am I here? What is my purpose? Like, what is this Sisyphean fucking hellscape punishment that I'm in that I'm reading this, this chapter with no point to it? When Hero is literally just having his character say, "Is like, no, this entire chapter was pointless. Fuck! <laughs> Why are we here, Nick? Why? <laughs> Why are we here? Just to be bored. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Alright, next series. Fuck it. Akane Banashi. Story 69. Dad's Magic. Don't title a chapter with this number that don't uh-huh. all right bad magic <laughs> no uh we Ma- start mom chapter- knows what the magic's all no about. <laughs> no <laughs> damn stop stop i cannot do this right now <laughs> i need a buffer oh <laughs> uh, all right all right okay okay dad's magic is his mustache <laughs> We start off the chapter with a flashback into Akane's past, where a teacher was like, the topic is someone you respect. And of course, Akane was immediately like, I know who I'm going to write about. And she, she writes a 
an essay about her dad. She respects her. I was going to say Ihanta from Street Fighter. She's like, I really appreciate that 17 games in, he's still only really interested in making Sumo popular. That's his whole character. It's never changed. She's never been involved in the main plot. I don't even think he knows who M. Bison is. I really like Raiden from Mortal Kombat. That guy is just determined to find that universe where everything's okay. <laughs> He'll do whatever he needs to do to get there. I admire that. There's a lot, yeah. a lot of cracks in that amulet, but he'll get there. Yeah. The teacher loved it because he had never played that one game. <laughs> he, just, he just stopped after Mortal Kombat 4. He's like, I don't know. It seems like it's not transitioning very well. Yeah, this is kind of clunky. I don't, I'm not on board anymore. Admittedly, the teacher did say that you could write about an anime character, so it's like so. It's so like, yeah, Honda, but boom, yeah. done. Uh, but yeah, she went, writes about her dad because you know he she thinks that he has fucking magic. He can make you think see things that aren't actually there with his storytelling abilities. In the present, she launches into her story in the competition, uh, and she is talking, telling a story about a drunk. Uh, and she makes an interesting uh, simile at the beginning, which is a drunk is much like a block of cold tofu. They start off crisp and sharp and end as a crumbling mess. Oh, that doesn't sound very nice. That's so not fun, happy drunk. Okay. <laughs> uh, and, uh, you know, she start, gets into character as this guy who is coming home from drinking uh, too much. Uh, and she like sways back and forth while she's going through the story and keeps on just drinks and drinks and drinks. And it's the story of changing time. And then changing the guy gets back time. Home. Changing, changing, changing <laughs> to change, changing, change, change. change, no, change. Okay, come on. Changing time. The thing that you do while you're waiting for crossing time. <laughs> crossing time. <laughs> Time to cross the train tracks to wherever that dude was a pervert apparently in a chapter's Nick Red. Oh my god. Okay. <laughs> what do you think Dad's magic chapter was crossing time was about? I don't want to know that. Oh. Hey daughter, I think you met Forgotten something in your bag. I just got tossed in your mom, though. So there's some stuff in my mustache. That's what we call daddy magic. She's like, I don't know why you had to say all that. You could have just told me I forgot my drink. He just comes out. He just comes out on the stage in the middle of the performance. <laughs> Everyone's like, you know what? I don't. I'm not a fan of Picante's Rakugo anymore. Bring back Hambo Jackson. At least I knew what I was getting with him. There was no false advertising with that guy. <laughs> yeah. Daddy Magic. The only magic I care about is that gold in Pedanta Hills. <laughs> Everyone's like, oh man, he never lets you down. <laughs> He's a one he has one mode, but he always hits it. <laughs> Nothing but the hits with old Hambo Jackson. Everyone looks at the really stuffy judge who's like who's like, oh about technique stuffy is like, no no no, no this scale is not high enough for Hambo Jackson. <laughs> Hambo Jackson hits a particular note, but he 
nails it every time. Mm, he is a true artisan of his craft. Oh, man. In the story of Changing Time, the drunk guy gets home. Changing the guy decides not to go to bed and keep on drinking. The critic guy uh, thinks about like, oh, the story uh, with that name uh, is, is a story that revolves around the banter between a drunken husband and his exasperated wife. It's a difficult story for one so young. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, gets she gets further into the story. Uh, and the woman is clearly not happy that her husband's all drunk. And then uh, he's like, all right, well, can you get me something to dibble on? Oh, we got salmon, right? Wife's just like, I ate it. There's a bunch of soybeans and nacho left over, right? I ate it. What about, I ate it. All right. So, and, but there's a fun punchline, which is like, I didn't even say it yet. Who do you think you are? Me? Hey, because he eats a lot. Hey. Hey. Uh, but uh, the critic is thinking like this story doesn't suit her. I mean, she's 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 got wide ranging abilities as a performer, uh, and she's still doing a skillful job performing it though. So she's she's quite skilled. Uh, and uh, a lot of people are you know observing this are like she's really made a lot of uh, improvements since the Karaku Cup. Uh, but uh, I believe it's Gurika. It's kind of hard to tell from the angle that they chose in this one. Uh, he, but he thinks like you know, compared, however, to to Kaichi and to Hikaru, she's lacking impact. And Mikaru, uh, while they're watching it together, says like, up until this point, Akane has never considered what kind of Rakugoka she was. So the stories that I gave to her were meant to make her consider the answer to that question. And so the story she chose might not really match with her nin. But because of her connection with her father, she was able to recreate the familial emotions of the husband and wife. And she sounds even better than when we were doing our final practice session before. If there's a difference between her and the previous two, it's the amount of time that she's spent attuned to her own heart. And, uh, you know, he points out, like, look, there's not a lot of, like, you know, big dramatic scenes. There's no rapid developments in this story. Uh, if she had gone with a different story in this situation, I still feel like this story would have come out on top, though. Uh, and uh, he also brings up it specifically Aniki's changing time. And, and Garika's like, oh, it's his version of it? And Makaro clarifies, well, all a lesson can do is train you on the form of a story. You gotta practice it for years for to attune it to your heart, trying out little things here and there. That way a story truly takes on a flavor of its own. And she's only at the starting line of the process. Which is similar to the comparison that I kinda drew before about how a story is a friend and your friendship changes over time as you grow with it. Uh but he also realizes that Akane has been going after her roots with her father since the day that she was forced to quit Rakugo. Uh -huh. So maybe it's different. Maybe she's further along than they suspect. And Akane, while she's performing, is thinking about Hikaru because it's an important thing. It's important, Quinn. You can't deny the rivalry between these two women. It's the important, it's the important thing uh -huh. that's going on in the story it's arc. Red, it's, it's, the red, it's red hot. That's right. Uh, and, but she's also thinking about, you know, what 
Maikeru has had told her of like, hey, you got to figure out what kind of Rakugoka you are. And she thinks, I still don't know the answer, but I've got a reason for being a Rakugoka. And I've got an art that I want to express to others. And that much will never waver because I was charmed by dad's magic. And she thinks in that moment about what Shinta was thinking, which was, I've got to be a Shinichi or I can't make my family happy. And I, it seems that Shikama has caught on to this as he's observing things because he thinks, what's the image of Shinta you've got, that you see right now? And seemingly the image he's focusing on is that desperate Shinta when, mm. right before he failed and faltered. So a little bit of a, an ominous note to end the chapter on like, oh man, maybe, maybe her focus is on the wrong things with this. Yeah, it's very interesting. There's so much to, like, dig into with Akane's kind of weird mental state when it comes to her father. And I, I do love how they're like, oh, she's just kind of at the beginning of this. But actually, maybe she's a lot further on than we think because she's been thinking about her dad all the time since she was, like, a little kid. Like, this has been what she has been focused on, lasered in on. So it would be kind of weird if, like, she didn't, have her shit together exactly right here because it feels like she should have processed some of these thoughts maybe not everything i think there's still a lot of confused feelings there mm -hmm. um, but i am curious if there's like an intentional decision on her part to channel this version of shinta yeah well we'll find out uh soon i'm sure this this is definitely an interesting start into akane's performance uh, and it's a lot it's I do like that uh, as compared to the others that we've seen it's a lot less about like you know technique and establishing who the character is because of course we know who Akane is at this point and more like this is what this means to her and yeah. uh, establishing stakes in that way yeah and you <gasps> know what for the you know being named daddy magic this chapter wasn't that sexy <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna say that I just I feel like I refuse to offer explanation to those people who are not familiar with what you're talking about. <laughs> There's no mustache anywhere in here. I feel like this is a big letdown. Yeah. Uh, uh, it's, is oh, it I had to get Blue Box. I There was a chapter of Blue Box, right? There was. Okay. Yes, it's a chapter just, 108. I meant to open it and then I forgot to. Chapter 108. It's already settled. Chinatsu uh, is in class. Nagisa heads up to her and uh, sees that she's on her phone. Is like, oh, who are you messaging? And for a brief second, it, it seemed like it might be like, oh, is she messaging Taiga? Like, no, 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 she's messaging Yumika. Yeah, it's good to show that she's a full fucking character with fucking relationships that aren't Taiki. It's amazing how little touches like that add so much to a series. <laughs> You're like, oh my god, she seems like a real fucking human. And like the, the, the things that were at stake in previous chapters can have consequence later in the story. It's like, oh, hey, Yumeka said she was going to try out for basketball with her new school. She is doing so. Hooray. So that's nice. And uh, Chinatsu is referred to her as her rival now, which is cute. It's nice. Uh, we jump ahead to them getting to practice. Chinatsu is named the new captain of the basketball team. Uh, and she, you know, gives, gives a little speech to the team just saying, it's like, look, I understand this is a big responsibility, but I also think that that falls on all of us as much as it does on me, uh, you know, making every shot that we can with confidence and we're going to practice. So don't break under any kind of pressure. 
I want to work hard to create that kind of environment. So she's you know prepping everyone for like you know, it seems like she's basically saying like we're gonna do things my way, but also we're in this together. Uh-huh. So it's it seems like a, a good start for this. And she also says like, hey, this summer let's win at nationals. Also establishing goals. So yep. Uh, meanwhile, Taiki is, uh, at Batman practice, uh, and, uh, Nishida says, like, hey, here's, these are the guidelines for the next month's first year tournament. It's only sponsored by a small prefecture, but you better brace yourself. And, uh, she, he thinks about, uh, Sajikawa, uh, the, uh, his rival, uh, in, in his year in badminton. And just kind of thinks about it for a second. Is his name Hyodo? Uh, right, that guy. Yes, I think so. I can't he, remember. He, that's, if, that's, I can't remember if Yodo is. There were two people at the rival school. One was like around mm. his like teacher's age, and then one was like around his age. And like one right, was. Right. I can't. I feel like one was Husei, or then one was Yodo, something like that. Hmm. Uh, so uh, you know, they're they're both practicing, both Taiki and Shinatsu. Uh, they kind of pass by each other in the gym while they're running around to get going to, to practice and stuff. And someone realizes what has happened. And kind of shockingly, it's Matsuoka, basketball dude. He kind of just watches them just pass by each other really briefly. Uh, later on, uh, Taiki is just going out running. And Matsuoka runs up next to him and also it's like... Just passes out, him. Yeah, just passes, passes him straight it. up and immediately Taiki's... On like, your left. <laughs> yeah, on Yusa. your left. Sorry, uh, Yusa. Yeah. So Taiki's, you know, trying to keep you know, passing back. He's like, why are you making this a competition? It's like, I'm just running. And there's no prize at the end. I've got no, ob- uh, uh, I've got no obligation to compete with you. And uh, Taiki's like, I bet this is about you not to sit by again. Oh, really? Self-conscious, huh? Especially because it's already settled, right? So what? And uh, so <laughs> he's... He says, I wanted to see the girls play at the Winter Cup really badly. Chinatsu must have been really awesome on the court. And Taiki's like, oh, okay. He's just thinking about the ticket that, you know, I won from him. I thought he was on to our relationship. Uh, and then he says to Taiki, I'll have you know, I'm pretty popular with the girls. <laughs> uh, but he says, like, you know, like when I was in junior high, I would get asked out by, you know, I, I got asked out by a girl in high school when I was in junior high. And like, look. I like girls, you know, being asked out by cute girls that made me really happy. Uh, but you know, I would have to, you know, go to practice. And uh, also, Chinatsu didn't have any interest in me, she was focused on her goal. And when I watched her play basketball, it made me realize that I'm into people who are focused on what they love, and that's why I decided to study abroad. Why I left, I thought if I could get good at basketball, then. Chinatsu, who puts basketball first, would notice me. Uh, and he's th- he's not saying any of this out loud to Taiki. He's just thinking this to himself. Mm. And he also acknowledges, like, when I got back, this guy had come along. Uh, so then he's like, all right, hey, let's make it a competition. Let's go to that bridge. When does it go? <laughs> uh, but he realizes, like, I mean, I made all that fuss over nothing because you know i fell for natsu and she does her own thing so i thought oh i should do my own thing too and then i heard about yumeka and i figured we couldn't do anything about it some people are just that way i couldn't do anything but then i heard that she was playing basketball again this guy stayed close enough 
so he could run to Natsu and support her if he had to. So he looks at Taiki and he says in English, don't hold her back. I won't forgive you if you do. And of course, Taiki doesn't understand. He's like, what did you say? It's like, but Nick, English. everyone's saying, speaking in English in this page. Whoop, 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 Whoa. Whoop, whoop. Uh, Taiki, after they've had their sprinting competition, collapses on a bench. Chinatsu comes out uh, and is like, oh, I knew you'd be out here. <laughs> you'd be out running like an idiot. Uh, so uh, Taiki thinks, like, I better not bring a Matsuoka. Uh, and uh, then uh, she says, like, hey, Taiki, it's your uh, birthday this weekend, right? Keep your schedule for the night open. Taiki's like, okay. <laughs> Get to spend a birthday with a girlfriend. <laughs> nice little chapter. It was unexpected to have this uh, this little development. Like you said earlier about Chiyatsu, it's nice to have three-dimensional characters. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's a lot. I, I really do appreciate that we got, oops, we got a whole lot to her character. And uh, I, I think, I don't know, it's just a cute little chapter. I do like that the weird basketball rival who was never like really that bad of a dude in the grand scheme of things. Just like a little yeah. bit of like a pushy guy uh, was like enough to be like, you know what? I really always admired this chick and she's with somebody else. So make her happy, dude. I don't know what to yeah. tell you. Oh boy, it's Morgan time. It's chapter 31 of Cypher Academy. I had actually a little excited when you told me it was Morgan time. I was like, I love Morgan time. <laughs> a war that happens a second time will also happen a third time. That's true, Nick. If I kill you twice, you got, you come back automatically <laughs> for our third try. I'm not sure I'm thrilled about this example you just named. <laughs> it could happen with anything. Like, theoretically, like, I drop a, uh, an anvil on your head and you die. And then I drop a second anvil on you. You die. You get to come back. So I can drop an anvil on you a third time. It's like any scenario works. Like, if you, right. I ran you over my car and then ran you over again, you could come back <laughs> and I could run you over a third time. <laughs> I don't know uh, how I feel about any yeah, of these. I, I drown you in a puddle of urine, and then you drown, and like I drown you again, and you would come back, and I could do theory. Who's providing right. all this urine? <laughs> don't ask questions you don't want to know the answer to, Nick. All right, look, I've given you a lot of details about your future. I shouldn't have already. <laughs> I think anymore, and I might start constant some time shenanigans. I think that I'm going to have to leave my schedule for all this dying I'm going to do. Apparently, so yeah. <laughs> Uh, beginning of uh, this chapter uh, is with a character who, thank God, she's named on the first page because I would not have remembered her. Uh, it's uh, Botiyama. It's a, a pigtailed girl whom we have seen uh, do nothing uh, in this in this series thus far. But she's a member of Class 1A. She comes in to deliver awful news to Hirohazaka, uh, who is just kind of hanging out uh, with uh, Ensa. And uh, there's a really weird... One of those really weird, just like meta moments that the series does sometimes. And he's just like, oh, I was just thinking of all the many characters who always look calm. You're really one of Class A's treasures. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? Uh-huh. Uh, and uh, so Iroha's like, oh, okay. So who won the bat- battle between classes D and F? And she's like, that's the thing. Class D invited F to form an alliance and they've accepted in other words dns united steam is now d2f and i don't think that that's very pg personally 
But then again, we are a code school. It could mean anything. Yeah, who knows? And that's not all, because Karigane, another girl in their class, comes in and says, I went to scout the battle between classes B and C, and they've also formed an alliance. Uh Uh-oh. So now, in the three-way final round, it's actually going to be Class A against two different allied fronts against us. Wow. This sure seems like a series that's not going to last a whole lot longer all of a sudden. <laughs> I, I I mean, it's that, that I don't know if this necessarily says anything to that. I think it, it was always going to be very weird if they were like, here are these cool new characters and they're cool new character designs. But, you know, three of them are going to be knocked out because they face other people that aren't <laughs> aren't main characters. Like, I felt like they were going to do something like this. Yep. Uh, Ensa objects to this development saying that this is not fair uh, because they're clearly going to just dissolve their alliances after the final round's over and but Hiroa says like look making alliance making peace that's also a part of war so we're just going to have to get gonna have to deal with it and I feel like this is my fault because I was only ever actually fighting thinking about fighting class E up to this point uh, Yosamura and an enemy requested uh, come into the room and they're like, yeah, well, that's 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 right, Iroha. You might not have tried to make an alliance with Class E, but you also certainly wouldn't have attained such a total victory that eliminated that option. So we'll just have to gather up the pride of Class A and overcome the factions that way by gathering our six strongest. And uh, Iroha's like, oh, man, why, why, why six? Oh, the rules change for this round because we wanted to have six characters of relevance on our side for this uh-huh. one in the story instead of five. Okay, so fair enough. I, I mean, can you argue with that? Really, really, Nick? Can we argue with it? Uh, so you Yusan... argue with the Putaku? He loves it. He loves I, that there are six. I would never. Actually, he would love that there were five. He has five everything. So actually, yeah. he's furious at this, Nick. He does not want to look at this screen. All right. Uh, it's uh, it's uh, okay. Um, maybe if there are six, then you'll have more, and that's like having more money, though. He's on board now. You've you've okay. you've, you've turned him. All right. So <laughs> it's really hard for me to do that. Uh, <laughs> Yosemura says, "I'll be one of the six. All right. I mean, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, and anonymity request is like, yeah, and I feel the same way." You should be overwhelmed with joy because your former foe had a change of heart and returned to your side. Okay, thanks. Thanks for just spelling it out for us. Makes sense. I I get it. Uh, Everyone uh, kind of automatically assumes that Iroha and Toshisai are going to be two of the remaining four members, so they need to pick out two more. And so everyone kind of like starts thinking about this, like, oh, if it's based on grades, it could be like the two of us, or it could be Mamushi Hichimeki, but the top choice would be Nohibe. Uh, and uh, they also think about Obero and Koshibai, and they're like, eh, they don't take solo group battles and stuff. But Iroha says, look, if we're talking about our strongest members, she's the one person we can't omit. The one who made sure we'd never be able to negotiate with Classy in the first battle. The trauma producer. And they go to see Tayu. And she says, nah, I don't feel like bullying the weak. So <laughs> it's like, Fair first enough. of all, <laughs> point one. Yeah. 
Score score one already for you. You're doing great. <laughs> uh, so you're always gone to see her, and, and it's like, look, I understand that the reason you fought in the first battle was just for Omamuro-san's sake, right? No one's expecting you to take part in the final round. That's why it'll work as an ambush. It'll be the last thing they expect, <laughs> which is why we'll do it. They wouldn't just run it back, so to speak. <laughs> They wouldn't just, you know, run the play that won them the title. <laughs> this is what's your this is your issue. You see, you think they're going to use Jerome Bettis. What if <laughs> they didn't? They would never expect us to use him after he's already scored a touchdown. <laughs> Two Jerome Bettises in one game? Never. That is how we defeat them. <laughs> It's not like Jerome Bettis came up in a time where you would just constantly hand a running back a ball over and over and over again. I know we just gave him the ball that he scored, but what's the likelihood we just do that again? <laughs> really? And that's where our machinations begin. <laughs> now, <laughs> now, now, now the game is truly afoot. <laughs> <laughs> ah, Bill Cowher was a lot more nefarious than I ever suspected. <laughs> There's a much more of a of a black-hearted approach to this is the play we will run. He's like, ah, <laughs> oh, my pencil made of pure elephant ivory has arrived. I shall check this box that says, hand it off to Bettis. <laughs> now I'll twirl my mustache that I like to call daddy's magic. <laughs> I mean, who else would you expect to... <laughs> of course I'm evil. What else would you expect from someone who drafted Ben Roethlisberger? Yeah. I'm from Pittsburgh. What do you want from me? <laughs> like, you're not from Pittsburgh. You just coached there, I think. That's what you think. <laughs> <laughs> Little do you realize I've had Pittsburgh DNA implanted into me. I'm more fry on a sandwich than person at this point. <laughs> Or salad, both are equally <laughs> appropriate interpretations of Pittsburgh cuisine. Ha! <laughs> okay. oh, all right. Oh God. So, uh, yeah, Iroha says like they'll never expect us to run our strongest play twice. Yeah, I was like, and look at us on this. So you got just like, all right, if you insist, then yeah, you'll have to go through the one that I serve, though, because I'm I just serve Otoshisai's orders. Uh, but Roha says like, yeah, there's no point in that. It's my fault. We're in this crisis. I want you to help us. You got to as my friend. So you got to stares him down and says, yeah, you're pretty good at reading people's expressions, right? What am I thinking about right now? And Roha stares at her and says. You're thinking about Dyson's air purifying headphones. All right. Uh, <laughs> it was, he's correct, too. <laughs> it was a very weird. Like, I was like, is there you're being plugged for this? It's like, they're like, I know the only thing that gets you out of bed. Raid Shadow Legends. Sign up now and you can get <laughs> 10 free pulls and a legendary character. Join now to experience this uh, this world-spanning RPG, blah, blah, blah. Oh, my God. I've listened to so many of those hats. <laughs> oh, my God. That's, like, going to be the this generation's uh, version of, like, infomercials that you can't mm -hmm. get out of your head. Like, instead of, it's like, a Billy Mays. It's for Shadow Legends. 
Yeah, instead of like Billy Mays here, or it was like it's like oh the Sham Wow or any of that stuff's like eight hundred five eight eight two three hundred. Like no 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 no. Raid Shadow Legends. People are going to know that speech verbatim. Kids who are growing up, they're like in their teens now. When they hit thirty, they're going to just like have compilations of that, and they're just going to like just be mindlessly reciting it because they've heard it so many times while they've been watching PewDiePie or whatever the fuck it is kids do these days. I don't know. I'm old. So <laughs> I was gonna say you're making yourself sound ancient by starting to throw names out, but go for it. I support you with so, every step. Yeah, that's right. Uh, you know, from Shawan Fizzlebeef. Uh, so, uh, uh, so he challenges you got to, or rather yeah so you got so he says i i figured that you know you would try and decline doing this so i brought this and she's like oh you brought me dice's air purifying headphones no, no no i brought the cards for the verbal slip cut by half question and answer session the thing that traumatized him mm. oh no so uh there's a weird moment where you got to checks under the table, which might suggest that she's checking for a spy from Class E, given all the times that we've established that there was a spy from Class E under the tables do, that they've been around. I do love that they now have to like establish characters being like, "All right, no, all right, there. <laughs> like, all right, first all and right. foremost, one, you couldn't just like kick your knee up if something like, ow." <laughs> 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 just people like occasionally just like drop <laughs> knives under the table now. Ouch, my back! I mean, table! <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I thought that table said something, but no, it's like you must have it just said table. <laughs> it means it's good. Uh, so you got to says like, alright, two conditions. First one, I'll actually let you pick your syllables this time and I'll use the remainder. And I was like, all right. And she says, second condition, if you lose, you can never call me your friend again, which <gasps> is, is a follow-up from the previous chapter where uh, you know, the, the stakes were established that if they did not win, then Omaro, they couldn't call her their yeah. friend anymore. And they were like, no, 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 she's right. This is serious. <laughs> There's absolutely, we have to do this. Uh, so they square off. Syllables are selected. Uh, Yosemura is watching from behind. Yura is like, you made a weird selection. This is odd. Uh, it's more random than it would be if things were randomly chosen. What, what, why did you pick things out this way? You got to rattles off some questions uh, and uh, you know, says stuff, asking weird things like, you know, how did the thief escape from imprisonment? What's the pen name of the father of political manga? Who do you think is cutest in our class? And Iroha <laughs> goes joip with his hands and then proceeds to answer by, and I kid you not, he tilts the syllables he's been given into more valid answers and everyone's just like i guess yeah he's he's doing weird verbal reflections this manga is so much ain't no rule in the book that says a dog can't play basketball i guess this works uh and uh he uh went in response to being asked like uh how did the thief escape from embarrassment and I was like, maybe she was let out for good behavior. <laughs> uh, 
also he refuses to answer who's the cutest in the class because everyone's he, equal he, number equal equal to him yeah he's like if i just cringe enough i can get out of this trap and then no one will know so uh and uh yeah they analyze like oh he tilted the syllables because that's valid i guess uh ain't no rule in basketball says you can't do that so then uh it's like okay so he specifically chose syllables so that he could do that so that you know there are syllables in his arsenal that he could turn that way uh but yosemura is wrong in that analysis iroha specifically chose these syllables so he could ask this question which is tayutan Toshisai-san is your friend. Why don't you just call her Kyororin? And everyone's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and Yugata's like, I accept it. My loss? No. I accept you. <laughs> She's like, <laughs> fucking puts down the cards in a dramatic way. Yeah. Has to do even has to even say something that lame in a cool way too, and she says like, "Yep, I'll go with you into the finals. That's what I promised. Uh, and once you gain five more levels, I'll play with you." Which, all right. And but then Hero is like, "So it's okay for me to keep on calling you my friend?" And you got to says, "I only wish I could interpret things as conveniently as you." It's like you're using a cheat code. <laughs> he did cheat, so yes. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa, Nick! How dare you? He just tilted everything it's the same thing you were like oh i got i chose e but if i turn that capital e on the side it's basically an m i can use m's now too i thought flip you said that, least <laughs> flip that m upside down it's a w baby i just got access to half the alphabet you can't stop me now also it's a three yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh so some of the people realize, like, you know, you got to could have still answer that question if she, especially like, hey, you know, even if she just had the 23 syllables, but maybe she was so against fudging her answers. So she wanted to answer so honestly that she was like, I just don't want to answer this. So uh-huh. she just chose not to. And so the team is chosen. It's Yosemura, Toshisai, and it'll be requested. You got to. Nohime, who has done nothing in this series so far, but is supposed to be one of the strongest members yeah, of the class. She, she, we had that one creepy chapter where she was like, I'm blind. <laughs> yeah. And Iroha. And uh, so it's uh, it, they're, they're going up against the two united fronts in this, and they strike a big old pose. I fucking love anonymity requests. like, yeah! It's got, she's got her arms up in the air. She's like, yeah! Everyone praise your love on me. She's going to do her move from the top rope, but she's got to do her, her, her signature taunt first. Yep. So, yeah. It, ra- it raises up her SmackDown meter. <laughs> All right. We've only got like uh, 20 minutes left. We have like a bunch of manga still. So let's let's talk about I said Gil. Yeah. Chapter three, Gil and Sana. We are introduced to probably going to be our first like major supporting character in this manga sana as uh, gil is continuing to like wander around he comes across a town that's full of quote-unquote peddlers who don't understand him uh he's looking for a, an inn to stay at and sana comes up to him uh they're wearing a helmet with with horns on it that hides their face and uh they also have a cool cloak that looks like bat wings a little bit and uh they say oh i know an inn you could stay at takes him to an inn Oh, man, it's immediately shady. There is a large, intimidating man who is eating at a table and chowing down on food and stuff. Uh, it turns out Sana's got an arrangement worked out with the uh, innkeeper. And is like, hey, I got you a customer. Give me some money. 
The guy's like, but the guy you brought here is awful. He's like, give me money. And uh, the guy's like, you're going to be punished for what you're doing and stealing and stuff. And Sana's like, eh, whatever. Bye. Leaves. Uh, there is a legitimately cute exchange where Gil's like, can I pet that dog? And the guy just steals his food. And she's like, oh, okay. So we're trading. Cool. I <laughs> take his food and soup. And the guy immediately starts trying to beat him up. Uh, Sana refers to Gil as Otterface. Okay. Uh, and uh, leaves, goes to a little hideout that they have in the woods where they have uh, stolen some stuff from Gil. And also they've got like some stuff on being written on the snow, like all, all sorts of runes writing out lots and lots and lots of stuff in the snow. Uh, they go through their hall that they got from Gil, take off the uh, helmet and reveal that they've got long hair. Uh, no gendered uh, pronouns are used for Asana during all this, though, so I'm not using any because mm-hmm. I don't know yet. Uh, and uh, Asana flashes back to their past where something bad happened when they, after they were stealing and uh, how they had to apparently relinquish all their earthly possessions to the king. And uh, things were really bad for them. And uh, they were told by their parents not to trust anyone and to be strong so you may know true freedom. And then they left. Bye! Had to go do stuff. And uh, so Sana's been on their own for two years. Uh, and then suddenly Gil comes up out of the snow, which he has been known to do more and more. Uh, and is like, oh, I dropped my book, which Sana stole. Uh, so I was looking around for it and then looks over and I was like, oh, where are all these words? Wait a minute. History of the Rani clan by Sana Rani. You wrote this? And then Sana's like, stop. No, don't, don't read any of that. No, stop it. Uh, but then all of a sudden there's an avalanche and a lot of the snow that Sana has been writing this stuff down in collapses. The guy from the inn has shown up having followed Gil to the person who has also been stealing from him and, uh, ties Sana up with, uh, with his dog's chain and takes back some stuff and is, is like, oh, uh, so you're from the Ronnie, huh? I know about that clan, that clan of criminals who tried to kill the king. I'm going to roast you to the bone and feed you to my dog. Because I'm a good person. And uh, so Gil's like, hey, if, if, even if Sana's family you know, did that, that's got nothing to do with them. So just get back what you stole, Sana. I'll lend you the book later. Because Gil's a sweet boy like that. Uh, Sana, however, spits in the guy's face and says, hey, the king stole everything from the Rani. Stole our freedom, our pride. So what's wrong with taking back what the king stole for the people he rules? Who cares about a few stupid coins? Which is, I think, actually a pretty cool moment. Uh... Guy's got to choke out Sana. And so Gil saves them by doing a quick dash, cutting off the guy's clothes, and then touching the really cold metal of his axe to the guy's back to make him run away, which... Defeated forever, yes. Yep. Sana's gotten free of the collar that was put on them uh, and also has stolen some jewels from the guy uh, in in, in the midst of the chaos. Uh, so Gil swipes back and is like, look, I've got to, I'm going to return this guy's stuff. You can't steal from people. So Sana's like, oh, fine. Come on, Gil. Let me keep it. When my big sisters get back, I need to make sure they can live happy lives. Gil hesitates. Sana swipes it back. Ha-ha! Bye-bye! Uh, and Gil's like, no, wait, stop. And chases after them, manages to catch their cloak on his axe and pin them down. And it's like, I know that you're always like lying and you're saying that I should trust you. But I know that you were telling the truth right just now. It felt like the truth. Uh, and 
you know, he basically starts calling out Sana, like, I know you're acting like you and you're just looking out here for yourself and everything, but I can tell that there is something that you deeply care about and you've done all this stuff. You could have bought all these things, but you don't own anything, so I'm going to trust you. And, uh, but Sana just thinks about how their family told them, like, not to trust anyone, tries to run away again. Then suddenly collapses because the collar was spiked on the inside, and so they start to fall over a cliff, and Gil has to da da dash after them. And that's where we end the chapter, is Gil trying to leap after Sana to save them. Yeah, I, um, I feel like we're still kind of in this place where it's like little side stories and little uh, nuggets of what this whole, you know, character and everything is going to be about. Uh, I felt like this chapter more than the previous two felt very um i don't want to say generic but it felt like it lacked a bit of what even like what little stuff kind of made the last couple chapters interesting for me um and i mean this is heartbreaking nick i we're on chapter three i don't know if i care about what happens to sauna so <laughs> heartless uh i know well, look i still don't know if they ever rescued that kidnapped girl from kill blue i never read it i just assumed <laughs> i assume bad ending stuff happened at that point uh i will say that i think that this was actually probably the chapter of this series that i was the most into but this manga has not really been my speed up to this point and i do agree with you that everything does feel kind of just generic and just kind of there thus far so i'm not really interested in continuing to read it either uh i admit all right well i think that kind of settles it uh, yeah, we're not going to continue reading i said go yeah i don't think that it's bad but it's just not super memorable for me uh-huh anyway let's talk about new sexorcists now uh, this really Nick, about... this is memorable <laughs> only talk about quality manga on this show this is what uh, this is the best chapter of this manga so far <laughs> this is what the italians call the good good yeah. yes okay <laughs> <laughs> you ever gone into an italian restaurant they're like let me give you that a good good and you're like oh, i haven't ordered anything what do you mean <laughs> what what do you mean sir <laughs> and then they come back with a two but you're like i don't know what to do oh boy it's chapter nine of New Sexorcist Provisional Club Enrollment. Nui has offered a solution to Shiroha, who is trying to, you know, forcibly make a contract with her. And Nui has just proven I'm totes stronger than anything in this series. So good luck with that. Uh, so she proposes, if you beat Gakuro in a battle, I'll make that contract with you. Immediately, Gakuro is like, she's going to uh... kick my ass, though. <laughs> uh but Nui says, like, it'll take place 10 days from now, so I'm going to make Gakura really strong in that time. Uh, and then immediately Gakura's like, oh, no, the me in 10 days must have worked his butt off. Yeah, uh, okay. All right. Uh, Gakura's hesitant about this, but Nui mentally speaks to him and says, this is going to be a great shortcut to make you grow, so come on. Yeah. Uh, and she also she says, also, would you like to join the occult club? And sure, I was like, I will decline your offer, but I accept the duel. Goodbye. Uh, <laughs> it goes off. Uh, Nui insists to Gakuro that he tell her what time the club meets, but he's like, but uh, next day, I so I told her. <laughs> I told her because Nui told me to. 
what is she planning? Uh, and uh, yeah, Shiro has actually shown up to the club meeting. It's just all the girls in the series thus far just playing, I think, we Classic together because they've got the steering wheel extension things and they're playing a game. And uh, yeah, so all three of them are playing together. Shiroha flashes back to basically being told by the head, like, yeah, get close to New Way. Yes, to jo- do join whatever group that she's in. Also, she's not going to tell us anything, so make the boy talk instead. So this is definitely so she can infiltrate. It's not going to, to lead to her forming bonds of friendship or anything. Uh, Gakuro is is told, like, oh, hey, come on in, you know, sit down. And New Way warns him, you'll be targeted by the person sitting next to you, so choose wisely. <laughs> All right. Uh, but uh, Shiroha says, like, there's an empty seat next to me. There's a lot of sitting next to each other that's going on between these two. That's like 90% of their bond thus far as they sit ne- down next to each other. Uh, Gakura tries to be like, I'm fine. And he's like, just sit down. Then. <sighs> God damn it. Suo says, I've been thinking about how we can deepen our friendship. So let's go to the beach. <laughs> Okay. And everyone's like, and everyone's like, ah, and just like, oh, okay. Well, uh, all right. The truth is actually that I was assigned a security job with the beast, so I'm just doing it for work. I do appreciate the honesty. Yeah. So, uh, Shirov speaks of it as like, I mean, I feel like you should be able to handle that yourself. Uh, I'm not going, and I don't have any attention to uh, getting any friendlier with any of you. <laughs> cold. Uh. So, so I was like, all right, well, I mean, it's a few days off, so maybe you'll change your mind. Uh, and uh, they hang out there for a bit longer. After it's done, Shura and uh, Gakura are left by on, on their own. And uh, so uh, he's like, oh, you're on security duty? No, it's finished. Let's leave together. And, of course, you know, they walk home together because she's trying to, you know, get closer to Gakura so that he'll confide all new secrets to her. Mm-hmm. And so Gakura's like, oh! We're walking home next to each other. I've got to do something to break the tension. Do you like math? I love he he does scream it. It is in all capital letters. He is very extreme about this. Do you like math? Nothing else. No one says anything. No referencing it. <laughs> it's. It's wonderful. This boy is the epitome of uh, have never interacted with Goyle before. Do not know what to do. She literally says nothing to him. <laughs> it's, it's perfect. I love that he it's this series is slowly going from like so bad it's good to like I think I might just kind of like this stupid ass <laughs> series. <laughs> Uh, Gakuro has also is also acting under instructions from Nue to get closer to Shiroha, and in this fact, series is just three women pushing this boy to be like, "Go hang out with this girl, please." Kiss that one, kiss that one. Yeah. It's so, just a lot of women playing hot potato with this kid that they're like, uh, "I'll be friendly with you, but I will not fuck you." I just want to watch. <laughs> I don't know. I don't like this anymore. <laughs> I, I feel like I'm being called out too archly for that. Uh, all right, so Shiroha uh, agrees to go with Gakuro to a cafe because Nui gave him a coupon. And so he's, he's like, all right, I've been told to find out stuff from him. 
and and Gakura's like, all right, I've been told to get close to her. But he's like, oh, there's no way she looks that. They are at the cafe. They're yeah, their orders being taken. And uh, so then, like, uh, Shiro's like looking over the menu, and very, very nicely, she says, "How much is the meal coupon worth?" Like, I was, I, I, like, I don't want to waste your money, kind of thing. Uh, so he looks at it, and he's like, "Oh, it's for three thousand yen." And then he sees, somehow, never having looked at this giant blazing icon in the corner before, it's for couples only, and he realizes this all at once. Uh, well, and, he, uh, he other... realizes very specifically. That a kiss is needed when paying the bill. A kiss on the cheek. So yep, he realizes it. that it's like, oh no, this is a couple thing. Oh, also, I need someone to. Get, we need to kiss each other. Oh yeah, fuck. Yeah. Uh, Shiroha is apparently a wizard, uh, and it's just like, oh, two pancake orders, two cream sodas. It comes out exactly the amount of money it's on the coupon. But then Gakro, he does come clean right away, and he's like, I'm so sorry. So he shows her the coupon. The, the coupon she sees it and Shiroha just very dead behind the eyes looks at it immediately gets it from the seats like yeah okay we can you cancel our the waiter's already back they're too, they serve too quickly <laughs> so it's like oh no we've been served already and Shiroha's like I don't have any money on me I'm sorry so Yajima's like oh no what do I do I have some money in my wallet I could do what I can to pay off the rest. Do you have a job that requires screeching and absolutely zero social skills? Ah! I'll wait until Fujino goes to the restroom and pay then! Why? <laughs> Why? <laughs> I guess because he's like, I'm going to give up like my half yeah, of this. Yeah, he's like, I'm just gonna what I'll, I'll yeah, he, he wants to make it so she can just leave without any issue and he'll he'll figure out a way to handle the rest of the bill. Right. Um but Shiroha like looks down at her amazing looking fluffy and, and whipped cream cover pancakes and is just like, you know, Yajima, you're you're a good person. When we were discussing back at the club we were just kinda discussing work and you were the only one who was actually thinking about helping out Suo. And uh uh Gatch was like, oh, right, she can read people's emotions, or she was being observant. Like, you don't need, whatever. Uh, That's but the only like, way she could pinpoint this. She must have used <laughs> magic powers. There's no way that she could have detected what my thoughts were when I said, oh, okay, how can I help? How could she have known I wanted to help from those words? <laughs> She, she must be a sorceress! My... Also, she knows that my dad's dead! How did she know that? <laughs> uh, but Shiro starts to get like, I'm the cold, detached character who's going to warm up because of my exposure to the hero, uh, us, and says, I, I, look, in the world that I live in, people like you die sooner than later. And I don't know the reason why I knew I proposed that duel, but you should withdraw from it. You're just being used by her. No matter how intelligent the spear may be, they're still monsters on a conceptual level. There's no exception, even for New Way. The one you admire and call your mentor is just a highly intelligent monster. And I don't want someone so foolish to be forced to help me. Which is like, yeah, all right. Fair enough. I can see your thought process. 
And she also says that she's going to, quote, take responsibility for her own failures. Like, look, you're only here because I knew I told you to be, right? So I'm, so I'm leaving. Uh, but before she can go, uh, Gakuro stops her and says, like, look, thanks for the advice. I want to show my gratitude. So I want you to take this. And he puts his money on the table for her order and says, but my feelings won't change. Nui is on the side of us humans. She was sealed by humans many years ago. She's disguising herself as my sister who's not related to me by blood for my benefit. Gakuro, that's really hot. Do you understand (laughs) (laughs) What you said right now was the hottest thing I've ever heard since daddy's magic. I know that she has every reason to resent humans for sealing her away, but she likes video games, so she likes humans. And I will defeat you, Fujino, and have you recognize Nue for who she really is. And so this does, like, give Shiro some pause long enough for the server to come by again. And she says, could we get the bill? Thanks for offering to pay my half, Yajima. That was rather manly of you. But it wasn't necessary. Yeah, she, <laughs> I do. It wasn't necessary. She smacks him, smacks, smacks him, gets him on the on, on the cheek, leading in bodily far too closely. You could have tilted your head so, yeah, forward a little. Your bit neck more. is a joint. Like you can move this, con- like <laughs> separate to the rest of your body. But she goes full tits out to be like. Mwah. It's honestly impressive that she tress- presses so much of her chest against Yajima's while kissing him in behind his ear, frankly. She, like, leans in and then <laughs> cricks her neck around to get back there. I love it, too, because then we get, like, the speed line camera pull into, the sh- like, the, the manager who's, like, marvelous. This character who Excellent. we have not seen. <laughs> I'm, this a, character. I'm a weird little freak who likes to watch people kiss. Marvelous. <laughs> the amount of money that we lose from orders like this, where we just give out $30 coupons. I love watching couples kiss each other in the cheek. Manager, why do we do this? Quiet. You know my name when I'm here is Daddy Magic. That's why I have this mustache. <laughs> <This> mustache. <laughs> uh, so they leave. Yajima tries to apologize. Tell that uh, couple and- over there we'll pay for their meal if they start kissing each other. Yeah. No, Shiro. I don't want to be a part of this anymore, Daddy Magic. <laughs> Shiro, it's like, you don't like to lose, do you, Yajima? Hey, we should should we go to the beach after all? I'll go if you go. You know, I told, told you to befriend me, right? So I'll play along. I've become slightly interested in you, too. Is she actually interested, or is it because of her mission? Either way, we're apparently getting a beach episode in yeah, <laughs> chapter 10. It's been 10 chapters, Nick. They gotta do a beach chapter at some point. Uh, I'm very curious to see what the art looks like when the characters are in swimsuits because the art's been one of the, like the hardest part with the series and like mm-hmm. limbs in proportion. You can hide a bit of that when you put clothing on your characters, but when you take all that clothing off, it's going to be very interesting to see if these girls still even maintain like a human appearance <laughs> or if, like I don't know. I mean, maybe maybe uh, it, I, I should presume, but it is one of these things I'm very curious on because. A lot of the time, it feels like they don't look very good, even when you disguise a bit of it with clothing to, like, hide the lines. Yes. Uh, It has been kind of distracting that as sexy as the series tries to be, the girls are actually very covered up. Uh, 
almost the entire time. Well, no, let's not forget one that we saw an upskirt shot of one of them, Nick. Yep. That and yep. that was Nui's work. The wind. Yep. Let's do a Tenmaki Cinema. <laughs> no, no follow-up to that. Just yes, nope. correction. Did it? That didn't happen. Tenmaku Cinema Chapter Thirteen. It's a flashback chapter. Tenmaku is like is hanging out with Hajime in his home. Uh, it's uh, after you know shooting's done for the day. He's going over the script, and uh, he makes a note of like you know I've, I've just realized like you've written like the bare minimum number of characters. We can just barely scrape by with the shooting locations, but being a little bit creative, you've created like a minimalistic cinematic world where even middle schoolers could film it. And Tan- Tenmaku is like, yes. I wrote this so that you could film it. Each project has its own budget, its own schedule, so creating a story within those constraints is part of a screenwriter's skill. So then Hajime is like, by the way, Tenmaku, why do you think you appeared before me? I mean, I feel like, you know, why with someone as talented as you, like, I don't know if I necessarily believe you worked with Ryushi Yurkawa, but why would you want to come to an ordinary middle school student? And Tenmaku starts to answer, but he stops as we launch into our flashback, which is following Tenmaku from when he was in like elementary school and uh, went, uh, it was hanging around, you know, sets with Ryushi Urakawa. It was like, ah, you made it and stuff. And so we, we get some of the backstory, which is that apparently uh, Tenmaku's uh, mother was an actress who uh, took her own life several years before. And there was some sort of huge scandal involving her and a famous actor, Chirakawa, worked closely with her, so he decided to take her in. And Tenmaku, of course, you know, ended up growing up on movie sets as a result of that. Uh, and uh, there's, you know, like, there are bits where Chirakawa actually, like, asks for his input. And he's like, hey, uh, Taki, which one of these uh, do you think makes sense? And he's like, this one. Because if you say the line, like, it's not sad, it makes it sound sadder. Which, given we don't actually see the line, kind of loses a little bit of the effect, but it shows like he's got those really sharp instincts and All stuff. Right. Uh, and eventually, he even got to hang out in the writer's room. He got very, very into movies, becoming a, a cinephile. And then uh, a teenager who looks about like how you would expect Tanaka would have looked in life. Yeah. Very, very long hair. Uh posing like he's Batman on any pier that it seems like he has the chance. Uh, and then, you know, Shirakawa's like, hey, you know, I'm going to be putting your name in the credits in our next film, The Fang. And Tenmaku's like, nah, I don't want to expose my name to the world. And if I use the name Shirakawa, then people are going to, like, hook their nose into our lives and stuff. Uh, but Shirakawa just, like, you know, knocks him on the head. It's like, look, you can't, you can't hide behind this. I'll just make a bang-up pen name for you. Uh, hold this name high and keep growing as a writer. And so he came up with the name Tenmaku for him, which uh, would explain one of the reasons why Hachibe couldn't find out anything about him was that this is a very recent pen name for him. Uh, and uh, then we flash forward to, you know, Tenmaku's dead. He's hanging out in the theater that he was bound to uh, watching a Ryushirakawa movie that was on, that's, you know, on the movie. And he's like, ah, this is the first scene that used lines that I wrote. It gets a bit nostalgic. Uh, and he's like, oh, man, I'm sorry, old man. I can't believe that I'm the one who went first. Uh, and you're still getting the Fang's final draft, though. I promise. But then, he, of course, he learned that Shirakawa died and he learned how much time had passed. And he's like, I don't see any movies titled The Fang and all these things and all of Hajime's movies and stuff. Did he never shoot it because of me? He thinks about that. 
but the Zimmer talking about. So after I died, he must have been really depressed. So, but as he's looking around through stuff, he's like, why did I only come back now? And he's had some time to think about this, basically, is, is the point, even before Hajime asked him. And he just thinks that in the theater, yeah, you found him, and you just saw Hajime watching the movies and just crying full rivers of tears, being very emotionally into it. And he's like, I met this boy on that day in that spot. And he reacted this way to one of the scripts that you wrote. So he's done just sensed a bond that way. And so Tenmaki just looks at Hajime in the present and he says, eventually the Fang will need a director. And he's pointing at Hajime. But then he says, and until I find them, you're the perfect person to kill time. Whoa, set up an expectation. Uh, and so you know, they and they bicker a bit to, to, to close out the chapters, but this is really nice. Uh, I, I like that, you know, we get this you know thing from Tanaka's perspective. And I do really like the idea that, like, he's doing this so that Hajime gets his feet wet, so to speak. And it's like, uh, this is the guy he's got to make who's got to make this movie with me. But he's not ready yet. Now, Nick, this is, of course, the same team from uh, Food Wars. And you know, what my favorite dish, the one that I want the most from Food Wars was. Uh, the one with honey mustard in it. Uh, that's number two. Number one, of course, is copium. I really wanted to eat that. <laughs> I read this chapter and I was like, oh, God, this series is ending. It's already going into the flashback of Tenmaku. Uh, but then the end is like, no, here's a goal <coughs> beyond the shore. And you know what, Nick? This series was only fifth from the bottom this week at the rankings. So we're moving on up. What what step by step we're going forward, little by little we're gaining ground. Every prayer is a powerful weapon. Something something walls of Jericho. Anyway, this series is going to be sticking around, Nick. I'm calling it now. I'm going to not say anything. Oh man, it's the favorite. It's the part of the elusive samurai that everybody loves. Chapter one seventeen, confirmation thirteen thirty seven. A new wacky character was introduced. Hey, well, we met this guy before. What are you talking about? I guess we did. He, very he, he showed up in like that one chapter with uh, Takauji. He's the really good archer that only the one guy could defend against uh-huh. uh, and stuff. Uh, and uh, he shows up. He's wearing like rags to hide his appearance and everything. He's very intense. Uh, he demands that Tokyuki apologize uh, and demand and like apologize like strenuously and stuff. And then after Tokyuki is kind of like browbeaten into apologizing for acting kind of presumptuous by sending a letter off to the emperor he's like all right good i'm kita batake akie the chinjufu commander-in-chief and uh, we get some things that's like oh man this guy was good he's a good governor and good commander and stuff and he's like yeah then he kind of ordered me to come see you myself i'm here to confirm my loyalty and the others kind of step in and Tokyuki's like oh it's okay look I'll, I'll do this and then he steps on the front of tokyuki's uh, clothing to pin him down and, and then aims a bow and arrow at him, and he's like, "All right, yes, continue, keep going." Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, pointing the arrow at his face, he's like, "Look, you know, keep on saying this stuff." And as Tokyuki goes through, he's like, "I'm in danger." <laughs> and he's like, "All right." Uh, and then he gets the part which is really important, which is like, "Pledge my ser- for your service for all eternity, even to the Mikado who ordered the death of your father." And Tokyuki's like, "Ah, that's what he came to check." It's like, yeah, I'm determined to accept. Loose your arrow if you must. And there is a 
weird moment where he does loose the arrow, but he, I think, gives Tokiyuki just enough slack that he can bend over backwards Matrix style to dodge it. And the arrow is firing with so much force that it tears through a bunch of trees because that's how things do if you are that good at an archery and mm. stuff. Uh, but yeah, he's satisfied with Tokiyuki's apology and proving his worth and everything. It's like, that's enough. I'm the Mikado's representative. I welcome you back. The Hojo are forgiven. Now you are under my command. Okay. Uh, when I was in grade school, I remember one of my teachers uh, pulling us aside and showing us the clip from uh, Kevin Coster's Robin Hood, where he shoots the arrow. And he was like, I'll give anyone extra credit points if you could just tell me, like, the five things that are wrong with, with this scene. <laughs> uh, and he was just, eventually, he was just like, yeah, arrow, it needs to spin. It needs to be an arc. Arrows don't work like this. It, it points for everybody, basically. This Not arrows sucks. don't work that way. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that isn't really connected to this chapter, but that's uh, the main thought in my brain as we finished it. So, good chapter. Thumbs up. Mm -hmm. hey let's do black clover let's wrap this up nick black clover this is page 364 do or die so we open yes. the witch queen is like look i can tell if we don't do anything the world is going to collapse uh but nature boy fur chimes in and is like if lucius tried to get rid of asta before all this began that means that asta must be a threat to him so we we have to you know master luscious has to be stopped um so we have to we have to get this door this this is what we have to do even if their opponent is stronger than a supreme devil the black bulls must stand against them so the black bulls are like all right we're gonna do everything we can to stop this uh immediately we start getting magic uh absorption uh from henry and then um uh gordon who i noted like we didn't see before is inside as well and he's helping to kind of like stabilize uh henry while this is happening uh, Henry cut his hair, apparently. Yes, he's 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 a little bit more uh, Bishoju at this point, or Bishoju. Yeah. Sorry, um, I wouldn't know. I would. I literally would not know it was him if it did not say literally next to him, Henry. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, Demnasio pulls out a sword. Immediately, just bisects the. Well, I guess it's not bisect. Bisect is split in two. What's splitting in four? Quarters. Quarters. Oh, there you go. Nick's so smart. This is why you're the smart one to podcast. I'm the big, dumb, stupid idiot no Cite one likes. Citation needed. Okay. okay. <laughs> uh, quarter is the Black Bull headquarter. And it's like, I guess like a cool little thing. He's like, without the sword, the scale is worthless. But without the scales, the sword is mere violence. Blah, 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 blah. You need both. Um, it's looking pretty bad. We get like another two-page spread of a bunch of angels attacking. We see different members of the team sort of blocking it. And then, like, counterattacking, it's a little tough to tell exactly what happens in some of it. Yeah. Um, but we can see, like, you know, Zora absorbing one of the shot, and then Sekre sealing one and stuff like that. Now there's some cool stuff going on. And Anamshu just, like, is kind of looking at it, like, do these people really just want to keep up with this suicide attack? And he realizes that Grey is healing everybody, and then uh, Gauche is using his magic to make copies of her. So he's like, ah, there's a real one. It must be you. And immediately Gray's like, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit. Uh, he goes to attack her. Uh, Gauch leaps in front of it, but both of them kind of get cut. I think he just kind of uh, defends the worst of it. 
uh, both of them get severely fucked up. Uh, they haven't. Finished. It looks like he is in half. Yeah, <laughs> like if you look at it, it does look like he has just been split straight in half. Like it, 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 it looks like they have been uh, completely killed. Um, they're not there. They haven't finished the spell yet, and then it just looks like it's over. Uh, he just says it's over. All the black bulls have seemingly been defeated. We cut over to Aster. He's like, Ryu, isn't it time? Where is everybody? And Ryu just has like this quiet, contemplative look. As Aster's like, wait, everybody? And we cut to one final two-page spell, uh, two-page spread as Sekre is casting a sealing magic spell to basically seal all of the black bulls' bodies back together, and they all kind of rise from the ground, this swampy ground, and it's like zombies, and they're like, not yeah. yet, we're not done yet. Yeah, it's uh, gruesome. Uh, <laughs> not used to seeing good guys fight this way, uh, mm. quite frankly. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's all the black bulls fighting, but none of them really getting to stand out very much as they just kind of get their asses kicked. Yeah, so. it's a, it's another shorter chapter, um, and a lot of it are like two page spreads, so it it, mm -hmm. it finishes or it reads rather very quickly. But I think it still comes across pretty cool. I guess the idea across definitely. Mm -hmm. That's going to do it then uh, for our manga this week, guys. Uh, we will uh, finally have One Piece back uh, next week. Uh, but uh, for now, we're closing things out on Black Clover. So let's. Uh, closing time! Oh, wait, that's the actual song. Never mind. <laughs> oh, yeah, we can't do that. Yeah, that'd be gonna stupid. Get, gonna get sued! Yeah, so. they can't say anything. It's the Weird Out Clause. You can do a parody of a song and no one can do shit about it. Um, but if you try to do anything else, it's a prop. It's a big. It's called an, uh, an oopsie no no. That's that's the <laughs> that's the break clause within uh, the Weird Al law. Uh, the, Article nine, subsection eight of the of uh, international copyright law, the oopsie clause. <laughs> the oopsie no no clause. <laughs> we we performed one of those accidentally. Uh, favorite series and MVP. This is tough. I have to like think mm -hmm. through everything this week. I don't think any one thing super stood out but i think if i was gonna say something i think it would be akani banashi is the one i'm most intrigued by i think there's a lot of like kind of cool things going in there yeah uh, i'm going to go with undead unluck because it's a kung fu thing and i'm <laughs> i'm a sucker so that's fair uh, I will follow along and say that I'm going to give my MVP to uh, Fang, who I, I do like him being like, uh, very like, it's not like I like you guys. You're all big, stupid idiots who look like idiots hanging over this thing. <laughs> look at you guys. You look so stupid dangling from my hands while I save your lives. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you look like idiots being here saved by me because I'm here too. Shut up. It's not a thing. Shut up. I don't like any of you. Uh, I'm going to make mine Matsuoka because that is very easily the most surprising character moment that happened this week was him just kind of being nice and uh, self-reflective over things. Didn't really expect that to happen, and it was a good thing that happened in Blue Box. So yeah. that's, uh, that's going to be my pick. The audience, by the way, picked Chainsaw Man Room Room as their chapter of the week and the Black Bulls collectively as the character of the week. I get that. Black Bulls looked very, very cool. All right. Well, guys, that is it for Weekly Manga Recap. We're going to close things off here. Thank you all for joining us for this. We record the show live here on twitch.tv slash T Wednesdays, sometime between 7.30 and 8 Eastern Time. 
Uh, you can check out uh, our Discord server or follow us on social media in order to find out when the show is going live. Also, if you join the Discord server, you can participate in conversations about the new chapters that come out, the recap series that we're going to be, not the recap, the recommendation series that we're going to be covering, and all sorts of other fun things. You can also find the Google Doc maintained by Ninja X3i that keeps track of all sorts of statistics associated with the show that we never remember otherwise and also make recommendations for future series for us to cover and uh, just kind of check out all the other stuff that we've done in the past as well. Uh, we also want to thank Milo Jack Stillitz and Mensley Dale Cheddar for creating the opening sequence of the video version of the show, which you can find on youtube.com slash recap. Our audio version of the show is on Spotify, it's on iTunes, it's in lots of different places where podcasts are hosted, including weeklymongerecap.podbean.com is probably the best place to find the archive of everything. Uh-huh. And, uh, well, everything except the stuff that's exclusive to Patreon. Patreon.com slash recap, which you can support. We just did a bonus pod. We just did yeah. a Mortal Kombat bonus pod. If you're wondering why Nick referenced Raiden so quickly early on, that's why. Yeah. That's uh, called uh, uh, marketing, I think. Uh, it's called uh, Corporate Synergy. Yes. Uh, which which is... leads us to our sponsor, Raid Shadow Legends. <laughs> Would you like to get 400 silver, 200 gold, and a three legendary tenpole or whatever mm-hmm. bullshit you get? See, we did it so subtly before uh-huh. that now you get seven, <laughs> it'll seem more you natural get, that we're You get more 700 blind. shadow bucks or whatever the premium currency in that bullshit game is. <laughs> shadow bucks. Not, not, not suspicious sounding at all, definitely. <laughs> And uh, yeah, that's going to do it, guys. Uh, we also want to thank Steve Mann, who does tile cars for the show occasionally. Steve Mann Art, do a search for it. And uh, that is everything. Thank you all for joining us for this uh, episode. And we'll see you next time. Yeah. Catch you later, nerds. Oh, no. Nerds. You can't just go around calling people nerds, I Quinn. just did. Just like John Cena would do. He'd call people nerds and then leave. Da, 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 da. <laughs> Sometimes he would. He was a bad person sometimes. Bye. Yes. <laughs>